Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty out of Wednesday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, I'm Anthony Stalter. 202, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Hope everybody's having a good Wednesday here in St. Louis. Appreciate everybody tuned in. Shout out to the Snake Pit. Yeah. Which, of course, you could be a part of for Air Alliance Team STL uh, or 101 ESPN STL YouTube channel. You can always reach us during the show. If you'd like to, via the Air Comfort Service tax line at 314-399-9646. We've got more Cardinals holiday ticket packs to give away today. So, to hope you uh, stay tuned in. Talk a little Blues, talk a little Cardinals, talk a little Shohei Otani. Making some news for the wrong reasons, oh, potentially. Spicy. Little NFL, including the Stalter Stackup. Oh, boy. We will reveal. I will reveal. The number 10 team. Oh, boy. Last week, I had the New York football Jets. I thought they earned it. I got to drop them out, though, Jamie. They lost last week to the Falcons. So I, I, I'm i going to have a new top, a new number 10 you, and yeah, install uh, Wherever the Falcons up. are playing this week, Marshy, watch. I've seen this act before. Yeah. You know, I took to heart what you guys said last week. So oh, I can tell. I, I did some real, uh, I did some soul searching I have on that. Nobody There's on a, the planet had them at number 10. <laughs> well, I week. did, Jamie. You know what? And I was wrong. I fully admit it. There's only three outcomes that could happen. One, it could be Minnesota Vikings. Two, it could be whoever the Falcons are playing this week. Or three, because they've been struggling lately, although they've been winning, it could be Jamie's Detroit Lions. Oh, you just watch your mouth. Watch that potty mouth. I don't, hey, I don't come up with the rankings. I don't like what you're doing right now, Marsh. I think it's disrespectful. It's horrible. Stolter stack up coming up uh, 530. All right. Of course it's going to be after I leave. Yeah. It certainly is. Blues Golden Knights <laughs> pregame. Start at 7 o'clock right here on 101 ESPN. Jamie's with us for the first three hours of the show. Then he's going to get out of here. He's going to go down to Enterprise Center. So this, this of course, is the second second straight time the Blues are going to face the Golden Knights. That first time was easy. That first time was Yeah. <laughs> for everybody else but Bennington. Adjustments, Jamie. This is, this is always the topic of conversation when you face a team in back-to-back games. So what adjustments do you anticipate the Blues making following the victory over the Golden Knights? I don't expect any systems adjustments because, you know, quite honestly, your systems were fine. The one adjustment that I would make if I was the Blues is making sure that I'm not turning over the puck. Offensive blue line, defensive blue line, that was the biggest issue last game against the Golden Knights. And I'll tell you this, the Vegas Golden Knights are one of the best teams in the NHL at putting their sticks in a passing lane and getting sticks on pucks. Mm -hmm. Watching them play against the Blues last game, I was like, man, 
Now, the Blues have really good sticks as well. Okay, I, they, they do. They're a good defensive team with their sticks. But the Vegas Golden Knights just seem to always get in the way or always get a poke check or Mark Stone pulls the puck, like steals it from you. So that's why the turnovers so are... They're massive, Jamie. They're all over the ice. <laughs> they are giants. I mean, they fall They fall into, like, block shots sometimes. They do, which means you're going to have to make sure that you're aware of that. And I think that the Vegas Golden Knights are a team that they're going to they're gonna give you something, and whatever they give you, take that. Don't try to make chicken salad out of chicken poop. You know, my grandfather said that one time. Mm. He says, you might think it's going to be fine, but it's not. Okay, and he was right. He was right about that. Man of many words. Mm-hmm. But uh, saying that, the Vegas Golden Knights will give you something, but you can't force pucks through the middle. You can't force drop passes behind the back, high risk passes because they're almost like baiting you yeah. for that. And then boom, they knock it down. They're back the other way. And they did that in the first period until the Blues kind of got a grip on things and said, okay. Maybe we need to make sure the puck is out of the high traffic area. Let's put it along the wall. Let's make passes that are tape to tape. Sure. Let's do that. So for me, the biggest adjustment, if you call it that, is just managing the puck much better, specifically in the first period. They used to say, take the profits. Yes. That was Brady's offense. Take the profits. They're going to give you three, then take three. If they're going to give you five, take five. And all of a sudden, you're in the end zone. At some point, yep. And it might be viewed as conservative, but it, it really it just goes to what you're saying, Jamie. If if Vegas isn't going to give you the middle of the ice, then you're going to have to find ways. You know, what other areas are they willing to give you to put yourself in a good spot to potentially get in front of the net, create some magic, and get you know get the goal in the back of the net? Well, it's not going to be through the, the middle, then it's not. The last game, once the Blues got in the offensive zone, they did a real good job with the puck. I would, I would go on to say that I thought the second and third period may be the best performance of the Robert Thomas line, including Jake Neighbors on that one, of possessing the puck in the offensive zone. They spent little to no time at all in the defensive zone. It was neutral zone or offensive zone for those guys. Sure. They had a hell of a game, and you know that, that speaks volumes because that's a really good Vegas team. It's a strong defending team. They, they pride themselves on good defense. Bruce Cassidy is a defense-first type of guy. So that was real positive as well. Yeah, I noticed that after Vegas scored to tie the game, the Blues had really good pushback, and I think that carried into the overtime. Like you mentioned, that third period was great. They are rolling the lines. And one thing that I noticed, and you mentioned it, the, the Vegas Golden Knights clogging up the middle of the zone. It seemed like the Blues were sort of a perimeter team, even when they did have possession of the puck in the offensive zone. Does it simply come down to just quicker passes? moving the puck around and keeping it a lot like behind behind the net and working and going there and then maybe a uh, forward slips in in yeah, front of the net it, it's quicker passes but it's also working harder away from the puck and marsh you know this from your days of playing for so many years is the easiest pass the guy can make is to the guy that's open mm-hmm. and so you have to work hard to get open especially in today's nhl teams are so airtight on their forechecked or neutral zone checking their defensive zone so you have to work twice as hard to find that three, four feet of clear ice to get a pass. And the team that usually does that better usually plays faster, has more success. I won't say wins the game because, you know, you never know. Mm-hmm. You get a guy like Jordan Bennington at the other end of the net and standing on his head, you may not win the game. But for the most part, it helps you generate more team speed. So your point is valid. You know, good, crisp passes, quick passes on your stick, off your stick. That's the one thing Vegas does, too, is they close you out. You think you have good ice, and then you have no ice. And that's because you hang on to the puck too long. 
And you saw it a few times last game where guys would hang on, waiting, waiting. Scott Perunovic, he mm-hmm. learned a big boy lesson a couple times last game against the Vegas Golden Knights. He's like, okay, NHL, I got you. <laughs> I better move this thing a little bit faster against some of these good teams. And that's the one thing I learned. I remember my first month in the NHL. Puck would come to me, and you're usually a junior hockey in the American League. You can kind of wait it out. You're drifting. You can kind of shoulder fake a guy, head fake a guy. He'll bite. No, not in the NHL. They hold their their spot, and then when you go to sauce one, they they knock it down or they pick it off, and then you're going back the other way. It's a bad feeling. Does Scott Brunovich need to shoot the puck a little bit more? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've told him Mm -hmm. to his face. I said, Scotty, get that puck on net. Mm -hmm. Like, he's got a good shot. He has a real good shot, but he's a pass-first type of guy right now. He does a great job of walking the blue line, which is why I wish he would shoot more because there's times where he's walking the blue line and you'll notice that he kind of opens up the hips. Mm -hmm. And most players kind of bite on that because they think he's going to go back towards the half wall. And then he's got three feet wide open of shooting ice and he'll pass it out of the shooting lane. I noticed that the other night when they were playing the Coyotes, he had Buchnevich sort of backdoor. It looks like there were some sticks in the lane. Made that pass. It hit off a stick, went into the corner and the Blues sort of lost momentum in the offensive zone because of that. That was an example that I thought, man, to shoot the puck and who knows what happens. Well, and recently you've got guys that are there. You've got Torovchenko, you've got Jake Neighbors, you've got Kevin Hayes, you've got bodies that are getting to the front of the net. It's the best thing to do is get pucks there. Reward mm-hmm. those guys for getting to the front of the net. When you don't shoot the puck and then you turn it over, not that it uninspires those guys to the front of the net, but it kind of does. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, why the hell would I go to the front of the net if you're never going to shoot the puck? Right. Reward those guys. I don't even care if you hit them with a few pucks. They don't care. Might go in. Golden Knights are just two, two, and two in the past in their past six games. Logan Thompson could get another start. He's six, three, and three with a two, three, three goals against average. He has stopped forty-six of his last forty-nine shots in the past two games. Again, he may make his third start with Aiden, Aiden Hill sideline with a lower body injury. The Blues have been solid of late, especially with the uh, the victory over over Vegas so we'll see if they can uh, they can get it done again power play going to be another focus for the, the tonight's game Blues Golden Knights pregame starting right here on 101 ESPN at 7 o'clock with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter Buster only of ESPN wrote an article last night talking about why Shohei Otani is doing himself and the sport of baseball a disservice by the way he's handling free agency preach Buster which begs the question, how much does Shoei Otani owe to the game of baseball in that regard? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, if you're a fan of Juan Yepes, you can uh, watch him potentially in the Nationals minor league system because the Nationals have signed former Cardinal Juan Yepes to a minor league deal. Hmm. I don't know if that one's going to come back to bite him. Well, he's basically had an invitation, I believe, to spring training, and that's about it. Yeah. Just wondering how a minor league deal, how it uh, compares to a two-way NHL deal. Like, does he have a contract? He has no major league contract right now? No. So, Oh, boy. No, so that's it's my up, yeah. That's an uphill swing for you. Year one, it, it certainly is. Why would he sign that so early? Probably has no other offers. Best he was going to get. Maybe it's an opportunity. His agent tells him, "Hey, it's the Nationals." How bad are the Nationals again? Not pretty great. Bad. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty bad. Okay. Yep. Yeah. 
So Buster only. So he'll be an MVP soon. <laughs> Mike Ryder, our executive producer, came in. He goes, uh, now you have to worry about Shohei Otani burning you. How, or, or how soon does Shohei, does, um, not Shohei Otani, does Juan Yepes burn you? So, oh, yeah. well, when do they play the Nationals? When do the Cardinals play the Nationals? Speaking of Shohei Otani, Buster only of ESPN.com, released an article yesterday about how Shohei Otani is doing himself and Major League Baseball a disservice. You can read the entire article at, at ESPN.com. But the gist of it is that Buster only is is stated because he's only because uh, Otani has been so secretive in this process, and because Otani's camp has instructed teams not to talk about the free agent process involving Otani, that Major League Baseball is missing out on creating a buzz for its biggest star. Yeah. Shohei Otani reportedly met with the, the Blue Jays, but when the national media members like Buster only asked the Blue Jays about it, they're like, yeah, we can't really talk about it. Dave Roberts mentioned that Shohei Otani, the Dodgers had met with him, and then their GM had to say, yeah, I don't know why you said that. I can't really comment on that. So Roberts stepped in it a couple of days ago. Oh, yeah. Do you guys a bad think look, by the way. that he said it? The Do- no, no, the Dodgers should have come out and said, oh, yeah, yeah. There was a meeting, but you know nothing formal. Right. Just like, just yeah, let's like, let's be on the same page. Let's back Dave let's Roberts. Let's not just push our guy off the bridge here. I'm with you, you on know? that. So, do you guys think that Shohei Otani owes it to Major League Baseball to to at least play the game of in free agency? Not to oh, only's not not suggesting that Otani or his his camp needs to provide information about where he's going and all that. Just play the game, not block the media when they're asking him or his camp about where he's going next or, hey, did you meet with – can you verify that? There's been no information from Otani's camp. Do you think that Otani owes it to Major League Baseball to provide something in free agency? I don't think he – I think owes it to is strong verbiage. I don't think he owes it to Major League Baseball, but – I do feel like there's a certain sense of, like, for the fans, too. Mm-hmm. He doesn't owe the fans. I get it, you know. But at the end of the day, not that you want to turn this into, the, like, the LeBron James, the decision, because that was a mockery. And I think people have learned from that. And I think that, you know, Shelly Otani's probably trying to avoid something like that. Same token, though, like, build it up a little bit. Like the Otani tour. Yeah, he went to New York, or he met with Cohen in, in wherever. He met with... The Blue Jays here. You met with the Dodgers. Yeah. What's coming out of these meetings? Well, nothing yet. Just discussions. Just getting to know everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be like, hey, we sat down, talked term, we talked what my my rehab schedule is going to be. No, right. it doesn't have to be any of that. You'd be like, hey, we got to know each other. I've been playing for the Angels for my entire career. Got to know some of these other organizations. And by the way, we're still talking to the Angels. Mm-hmm. So we're not sure yet. We're going to make the best decision for Shohei Otani, but these are markets and these are teams that have expressed interest, and it's exciting. Yeah. Boom. There. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, but now people, are, oh, okay, hey. So we talked to the Blue Jays. Now Blue Jays fans are like hyped. Cubs fans can get hyped if you talk to them. Dodgers fans can get like, get the internet stirring a little bit. Like, create a buzz. Have some fun with this thing. Where That's my my thoughts. I like the secrecy. To be honest, uh, I think that by him doing this whole secret thing, it's creating buzz itself. You know, Buster. Is it only, though? I think it is. I don't think it is. It's been like dormant. I mean, at the end of the day, like, the end of the day, 
Hmm. He's going to sign with whatever team, and it doesn't matter if the fans know or not. It doesn't. He doesn't, like Jamie said, he doesn't owe Major League Baseball anything. Really, he doesn't. Hmm. And however he wants to go about it, that's fine with me because he's the best player in baseball. He is, as one of the texters alluded to, he is the modern-day Babe Ruth. So I think this guy can do whatever he wants. And if teams don't like that, well, then he's not going to play for them. He said that he might hold that against certain teams if they come out and say something about it. So, Which is a bit much. I know you're the best player in much. baseball, but let's settle down here a little bit. Like, come on. I, I Enjoy I, yourself a little bit, Shoei. I like the secrecy. I think we live in a modern day now where so much information is being reported and being spoiled we go back to the remember the the, the nhl uh the when the kraken mm-hmm. had their their draft, draft the whole thing got spoiled before we could even watch it yeah but marshy that's a different animal that's, i know it is that's but exact players being picked this is one player that's meeting with certain teams i'm just saying like my personal opinion i like the secrecy because now i have no idea where he's going to go and when there comes a notification to my phone at midnight on whatever day saying he signed with x team it's going to be it's going to be crazy okay so let me ask you this then so play a devil's advocate mm-hmm. on this one uh any of the teams that have been mentioned so far is that surprising to you like what i'm trying to get through is like at 12 a.m like you said you're going to be shocked with where he signs i won't be shocked by so where like, he signs like, i mean i could be though, if he like, picked the cincinnati reds now that would be like wow new jersey sure. mm. well you know i believe the baltimore orioles gm was asked the other day about shohei otani how do we know that i thought it was sworn to see and he 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 didn't say anything about it <laughs> so that leads me to believe that maybe they're in on it even though that might be a team that we didn't expect to be right so I, I there could be other teams that are in on shohei otani that we don't know and what if he does land with a different team that wasn't a part of those reports i think that would be crazy and i would love it last thing i'll say before i let you grab this one anthony um is shohei otani and his agent could be driving up their own market by at least letting people know because if the dodgers know the mets have talked to him if the mets know the cubs have talked like what like from the inside out i'm going okay we're going to be secretive. It's not going to be a, a big festival of like who gets Otani, all that stuff. No, mm-hmm. but we're going to let the Dodgers know. We we'll let the Giants know because now all of them are going to be like, "Wow, wow!" If the Mets have talked to him, or if the Dodgers, we better pony up here a little bit. Yeah, like he could help his own market that way. This is a this is an unfortunate situation for Major League Baseball because they are missing out on what the NBA and NFL has have capitalized on for years. The NFL is now a twelve month a year sport. They have capitalized on that. They've cap they they owned one day of the week, and now they're on Monday nights and Thursday nights. Well, they've always been on Monday nights, but Thursday nights now. What'd they do on Black Friday? They had in a game. Soon you'll start to see a couple games on Saturday. They they have owned days of the week. The NBA was always a big Christmas thing, right? NBA on Christmas. NFL's got some games now on Christmas. The NFL has done this where they have created so much buzz. That you don't feel like you let me take that back. You feel like you're gonna miss something if you're not paying attention. The NBA does it too. The NBA actually impeded on the NFL's turf a couple years ago during Super Bowl week when Anthony Davis, who was with the Pelicans at the time, said he wanted to get traded. Then the the NBA's got this big storyline, these buzz this buzz. I don't know what Major League Baseball can do in terms of 
forcing guys to go through the process and talk to me and all that. I'm, I'm sure they could set some sort of sort of standard, but I do know that this is a missed opportunity for Major League Baseball. I don't think that Shohei Otani owes the, with like you said, Jamie. I don't think Shohei Otani owes it to Major League Baseball to have to talk to me. You can't ask him for be to be anything other than what he is. Yeah. But do I think he should have a a media person that is handling a lot of this for him if he doesn't want to? Yeah. Because it's again, it's a missed opportunity for baseball to drum up some interest while the games are not being played. So we get a quick text message to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. From the 636, says the agent and Shoei would be telling the other teams who they've been talking to anyways, right? Say that again. I'm sorry, I missed it. Said the agent and Shoei would be telling the other teams who they've been talking to anyways, right? Well, okay. I don't think you're wrong. I think your statement is true. Your text is correct. However, people with billions of dollars, their ego gets the best of them. If I hear behind closed doors that Anthony Stalter is in the bidding for something and Marshy's in the bidding, I'm all I'm already like, okay, there's competition here, there's competitive. But if I it goes out publicly now and I have the biggest wallet in the league and I've got this much ego riding on it, all of a sudden I might just do something really stupid just to say that I won the Otani sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. That's why for me, you get it out there publicly without it being a spectacle. I think this is better than People just reporting, oh, yeah, Otani is talking to the Blue Jays. Cool. Otani's talking to the Dodgers. Great. Saw that coming. Otani's talking to the Cubs. Otani's talking to the Mets. That that that, that does nothing for me. Yeah. This actually is is kind of drama-filled. This, this has more drama to it because he is being so secret. You have Dave Roberts coming out and saying something. Now, we're talking about this right now. We probably would not be having this segment if this was not a thing. Yeah, oh, I that, that, that's a good point. We are talking back about on it. that. If we heard he had several talks with different teams, I think we'd be definitely talking about that because we brought up the Cubs. The Cubs were rumored to be in it, and we started talking about the Cubs and Shohei Otani. Yeah. But, to Marsh's point, though, there's a bit of a – there's some drama now. There's, there's some controversy to it. To it. There is. Isn't that what what you would want to see if you're Major League Baseball? Some type of drama that's going to fill our timelines instead of just, well, you know, uh, Bob Nightingale reported this. Okay, cool. Well, easy, Jamie. The only, the only, the only caveat, (laughs) Marsh, to what you just said. The only caveat is if he signs relatively quickly now. If it if it winds up being a situation where it's weeks or a full month mm-hmm. and Shohei Otani's not signed and all the secretive and you don't you don't have these reports or you're getting a little bit of morsel and that's it, then I think it's a it's a big problem for baseball. Not a not a big problem, sorry. A missed a, a missed opportunity for baseball. That's my microphone. The uh, the eight one six makes a good point. Mike Trout was the biggest player in baseball for a decade. Major League Baseball did nothing. Don't well, bet did we on know it. did anybody did globally people know Mike Trout was the biggest thing in baseball? No. No. There's still people, you walk through the mall right now, go into a sporting goods store, and there are people that don't know who the hell Mike Trout is. What? A hundred percent, Anthony, a hundred percent. If you ask uh, just a a random casual sports fan, maybe they're not even baseball fans, maybe they like soccer or lacrosse, and they're in there, you say, hey, do you know, what do you think Mike Trout's going to do next year? I bet you there would be a percentage of people who go, who's Mike Trout? (laughs) But if he said, "Who the hell? Sh- what about Shohei Otani?" They would know who Shohei Otani is. Mike Trout, yeah, no, good, good fisherman. Yeah, Mike Trout. Yeah, like, honestly, great. he's the most vanilla superstar that we've had in I don't know how long. <laughs> yeah, like very he true. does nothing, and yeah. I know he maybe he wants it that way. He's a fantastic baseball player. I'm not taking that away from him, mm-hmm. but he's been absolutely buried for the Angels. Put up good numbers and get injured. 
That's, oh boy. Uh, well, that's been his. <laughs> that's his shtick. That's wow. his shtick the last couple of years. Wow, All right, did the card- stealing money. Did the Cardinals <laughs> suffer defensively because of their rotating cast in the field? And we're going to see no, a, no, a, their a change. Rotation. That too. That's next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Katie Wu of The Athletic, the Cardinals insider, sat down recently with Cardinals manager Ali Marmel at the winter meetings to get his thoughts on the uh, busy offseason. One of the other things that Katie and Ali touched upon was the defensive rotation, so to speak, when it comes to the, the rotating cast in the field and whether or not the Cardinals suffer defensively because of it. Here is what Ali said on that comes from continuity it's guys being able to know that they're going to be playing that position every day now do they get a day off here and there and you can mix and match absolutely um but yes we need to get back to playing really good defense um that's been a staple for the Cardinals for a very long time and last year just wasn't good enough so that's something we're highly focused on I agree Jamie and for those that have listened joking about it for yeah 10 months now just Play play your your best nine. I'm not saying play your best nine for 162, but play your best nine more times than not. How are you going to have this rotating cast and feel like you are, you are? I'll use the same word Ali uh, used. How do you think you're going to have continuity mm-hmm. with that? I get it. Guys going to slumps. Guys need days off. I, I'm certainly not suggesting that every the same same nine has to be the same nine as on game one as game 162. But I think there's a reason why teams that have the talents offensively the Cardinals do would roll with those guys because you know that a hot streak may follow a bit of a cold stretch. That's Major League Baseball. But when you're mixing and matching constantly and guys don't know what their roles are, I think that's a major disservice, especially with the roster that they have. If this was a different roster, 
bunch of part-time players, role guys, like the whole roster's role, role players, that's different. But that's not what the Cardinals have. But even those teams that have these role guys, whatnot, it's like they have a certain amount of short-term success, but long-term it doesn't work. I.e. the Giants. Look at the Giants, yeah. yeah. And even look at some of the other teams that kind of try and mimic it. A little bit, like a burst of success for a little bit because they kind of time the market right, for lack of better words. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the market corrects itself. Yeah. And so when I look at the Cardinals last year, like it was a running joke, man. Infielders playing outfield, catchers in the outfield. Like, what are we doing here? You had a rotating cast at second base, at shortstop. Uh, left field, right field, you ended up with guys like Alec Burleson. I like him. I think he's a dude. I think he's a dude. Good guy. He doesn't belong in your outfield, mm-hmm. like ever, for that matter. Now, he did a real good job spot duty at first base. Fine, great. In fact, he made a couple of real good defensive plays at first base. He doesn't belong in your outfield. Juan yeah. Yepes no longer with the Cardinals, but he never belonged in your outfield. Like, you don't need to have these guys that you're just trying to make do because you want that bat in the lineup. Right. Or you think it matches up best against this pitcher. No, why don't you just let your current guys just go play? Yep. Because for years, teams did that. They did. They didn't play the matchups. Oh, he's a lefty on lefty? Well, I guess he'll figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. If he doesn't, we'll find somebody who does. We like our lefty more than than your lefty. Correct. So finally, they finally took the friggin' floaties off of Nolan Gorman last year. Right. At times. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. At times. But before that, like, no, he can't go in the, he can't go in the deep end. He can't right. swim. You haven't let him try. Mm-hmm. If he sinks to the bottom of the pool, you get him. It's no, it's, you know, <laughs> it happens. You're fine. Have somebody qualified around you. Sure. But you'd be surprised, that little sucker, he might motor right to the top of the water, Anthony, and yep. breathe big. He did a few times. He had a couple of big knocks against left-handed pitching. So I agree. I'm just I'm all for the continuity. I also think too, if you look at it, if you're if your outfield is Walker, Edmund, and Newt, and your infield is Arnado, Wynn, Donovan slash Gorman, depending on who's DHing that day, Goldschmidt and then Contreras. There's not a lot of liability there. There's not. Walker, of course, has got to take that next step in his development, but he will. He's in Jupiter for the whole summer. He's training. He's an athlete. athlete, Absolutely. He's going to get there. He's going to be better with the reps. Rick Ankiel was a starting pitcher. He ended up playing outfield and was an Mm all-star. I think Jordan Walker can figure it out. Yeah. You know, and that's less of a drastic change than Rick Ankiel had to go through. Now, Rick's a freak of nature and a great athlete, but I'd like to think Jordan Walker's probably – at least close to equal the athlete that Rick Ankiel was. Time will tell, but he seems like he's projecting in the right direction. Yeah. So I, I like it. Now, one thing that Ollie did also said uh, in later on in that conversation with Katie Wu is he basically said my lineup set, you know, second base we'll see to Dono or, or Gorman, but I'll see what the roster is, you know, come that, that time. Basically alluding that there could be a trade still. I mean, that's what I got out of it. To me, it wasn't so much about inner competition – it was more about maybe we still have a trade to make. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he was referring to the fact that an outfielder could go or a second baseman could go. Aren't they one and the same, Jim? Well, no, they're not. No. I'm, I'm talking like Dylan Carlson might be part of it. Uh, or maybe it's a noop bar if you're going after a big fish. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But it, to me, it wasn't isolated just to the second base position. It made it kind of sound like he was talking about it was like Donovan or Gorman. As far as like the trade or the the roster movement, see, I thought he was talking more in line with Don, you know, like Gorman when he's DH and Gore, like Donovan will be our second bats. second baseman. I thought that too, and then I go, they're both lefty bats. 
Yeah. So what would be the reasoning? But you would still need a DH. Yeah. So I took it as when Gorman's not DHing, he's playing second base. And Donovan Maybe. and Donovan can move. I around. took it as there might still be an opportunity for a trade. There could be, and otherwise, it's it'll just be second base that kind of has a little bit of movement. Sure, Mo mentioned that too. Mo, Mo said that the other day as well. He said Donovan slash Gorman, and I after after pausing, I had the same same thought. I think what he's talking about is that depending on the the lineup, the day, who's DHing, one of those guys is going to be at second base. That's Gor- how I. That's Gorman's how I took Gorman's health. Gorman's health. Sure. Oh, wow, Marshy. Wow. What? He's healthy right now. Okay. Will he be through a full 162? He's just a young man. I mean, maybe, maybe he's not mobile enough <laughs> to, issues. you know, go lateral and play second base. Mm-hmm. Brendan Donovan can be. And then you have Gorman just DH. I'm not trying to say the guy's going to be injured I feel like you're year. projecting a little bit. Jamie, I don't, I don't have time for What's your problem your nonsense with the today. today? Okay. What's your problem? What's your problem? I got lots of problems, okay? Lots. James well, got projected on me. <laughs> that's what? a fair that's a fair point. Well, All right. If you wish. Are college football <laughs> players hurting the game by sitting out of their bowl games? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jamie, you came to the office today, and you had made mention about the players, some players in college football, opting out of bowls. Yeah. And we've seen this before. Players that are preparing for the draft, that are playing in non-college football playoff games, they have opted for the, you know, take not opted to not play in the bowl game and, and go prepare for the NFL draft. And I feel like you have, you have an issue with this. Yeah, I do. Why? Well, because you signed up to play for your damn team, play right to the end. Like, if they made the college football playoffs, they'd be playing that game, wouldn't they? I would hope so. So, but, like, the season's over, right? So why wouldn't a star player just say, well, I'm not competing in the college football playoffs. I made it through healthy this far, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm just going to ha- hang on to for the draft. Because they have an opportunity to win a championship? Okay. Fine. But what if you're a team that doesn't win a championship? So you played that extra game and put yourself at risk anyways for nothing. I mean, I know that's in hindsight, right? You look at it back and you go, okay, fine. But the bowl games, here's where I have a problem with it, is I feel like the universities, the colleges, the programs give these men a tremendous opportunity to get an education and have a dream to make the NFL one day. And now they're even paying these kids. Like, no more brown bag stuff and giving it to your uncle who gives it to a friend who finds its way to you, okay? Right, right. Now, it's literally on the up and up now where they're negotiating NIL deals for these kids. So they're getting a hundred to 200000 in education, depending on the packages that they're getting. And then they're getting maybe two hundred to three hundred to 400000 a year in NIL money. And now you're going to pull out of the biggest game of the year for your team. Uh, so, like, the, the bowl money that goes to the program is big. For these colleges, the sponsorship, the bull money, all that stuff. And now you're just going to pull out of the game. Oh, you gave me all this stuff. You gave me all this opportunity. And now I'm going to back out on you when it's the biggest game of the year for us. I know it's not the national championship, 
But for some of these teams, like Ohio State, I know they're bitter and sucking mm. on a lemon out there. Poor guys. Mm. But this is you know, still the biggest game of the year for them right now, apart from maybe the one they lost. But <laughs> I'm just saying, you got mm. players that are opting out. I don't like it. I don't like the look of it. it. To me, it's just the wrong message. And I know these guys have millions of dollars to make in the NFL. We also got paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to play college football all in. I don't understand the backup. I hate what, it. I absolutely hate it. Let me ask you a question, Jamie. What do you think th- the Ohio State Buckeyes made off of Marvin Harrison Jr. playing these last few, few seasons? Oh, probably more than – well, I don't even know if they made more than what he they paid him. Think about that now. That used to be the case, Anthony. Now I don't know if that's – I don't even know if that holds water anymore. Sp- so a sponsor, a sponsor will pay yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr., but Ohio State doesn't pay him. Outside of what you said about the educate, they provide makes, the education. Who, who, who makes that marriage? What do you mean? Who who presents that that business partnership? Do you think that Ohio State per, in for how you're wording this? Ohio State. Yeah. yeah. So without them, without their program, and without them, maybe setting it up with some great alumni who have million dollar corporations now, mm-hmm. maybe you don't get that money. So Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr., who is likely to be a top five pick in the upcoming draft played let's see here he played uh of course it's not giving me the games while you're doing that i want to answer to a, to a text sure. we got from the 870 who apparently has balls the size of church bells Hi so if that was your kid rivers who might be a top five draft pick going to sign from anywhere from four to eight million you're going to tell your son to play the game i don't think so stop talking blank I would absolutely tell my son to play that game. A hundred percent. You play that damn game. You got a whole team of guys who are all at risk every single day. Some of those guys will never play a down in the NFL, don't have a hope of playing in the NFL. Mm -hmm. This bowl game might be the biggest thing that guy ever plays in. You're going to back out of your teammates now? Did they back out on you? That guy that you think is just a big lug on the offensive line that took an absolute beating for you, do you think he's going to back out on you? He didn't. Jamie, I think you conveniently left out, though, the fact that Marvin Harrison played. And I'm, we're just using Marvin Harrison Jr. as an example. Could be, it could be anybody. It could be anybody else. It could be anybody else. He played 29 games for Ohio State. So what? You're, you're, Play 30. You're talking, you're talking about the one game he's not playing. I, of course I am, Anthony. Yeah, he's because that one game, if he shreds his knee, he's not going to be uh, a top five yeah. pick, and then his NFL dreams the, are the out of it. The old story of the, oh, the, how many guys, how many guys get injured in that last game? You can cherry pick three or four big ones, okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, this how about all the guys that played over the years and never got hurt? What about Jordan Travis? Who won injury? You didn't need a bowl game for that, Anthony. One injury against what, like North Alabama? So kept you're proving Florida my point. Sta- kept Florida State out of it. You're proving my point. What I'm These saying guys is, you never any game. It doesn't have exactly. to be a bowl game, right? But get injured in practice, get injured training. But you made the you made the the point of like this bowl game means a lot to the university. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't these players play one more? You know, one more game. They've already given you anywhere between. 29 to okay. and here's whatever. where I'm going to get really pissed is the college has given these players every opportunity. Yeah. So if they shred a knee, at least the college has given them four years, some five of education and they've given them money and paid them to play, set them up probably for life already. If they're that good, mm-hmm. you know, back out.
You're missing my point. What did the player give the university already? You're focused on the one bowl game he's skipping. Like, oh, you gave you gave him Anthony, education, you gave him this, you gave him missing, that. Skipping game four of the season doesn't mean anything. Skipping a bowl game means something. The regular season means something. I just see it differently. The re- I, but can we at least can we at least admit that that this player? It's not like the player didn't play at all, got a free education, I, and then also said he won't play in the bowl. You got game. all the way to the finish line, you won't cross it. I'm sorry. He has how many teammates that have an opportunity He's to win a bowl? How about those scrubs that do practice day and never they get two snaps a season in the lineup? Jamie. Now they're, they're getting a chance to win a damn bowl. They're game. getting playing time. Well, they're getting playing time, and they're also not. No, that guy's also not, not Marvin, playing time. They're also not Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, I don't know what to. I don't know what to tell you. I, Those I, just, players, I don't like it, and I never will. I'm, I'm not going to argue against your point because you make a valid point. I think the NCAA and schools have benefited from players for years, and then now over the past few years, they've been able to be paid. Right? These players, I mean, they don't. They don't. But the university's not paying them. Right? They they don't owe anybody anything. This is their career and if for some reason they do get injured mm-hmm. they are missing out on money a lot of these players don't really come from anything they need that money to help themselves and their families so yeah i mean maybe you have to have a conversation with one of your teammates but i would hope that your teammate would understand the position that that player is in and be okay with it yeah i'm certainly not suggesting that a player should miss out on a, a playoff game or a, a national championship sure. game. These bowl games don't mean anything. Not really. Depends who you ask. Well, if you ask the university. But the university's still getting paid. But it depends who you ask on the team. I bet you it doesn't mean something to maybe seven or eight guys. There's not seven or eight guys on the team. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. I'm all about the team. I'll, it'll never be any different to me. You can shoot me dead right here, and I'll never change my opinion. I don't care what anybody on the text line says. About any of it, some of them talk about, oh, too many concussions. Yeah, you're right, I did, because I played every freaking game for my team. And I battled right to the very end, literally to the very end, for my team. So missing a game for me is not a freaking option. Yeah, Bottom he, line. Jamie died on the ice. There's Ooh. really no there's really no uh, I, I th- comeback I, I for mean, that. Jamie, Jamie you, have, you make a great point. You I think there, died. there are some players that, <laughs> that are playing for their future, and there are other players that know they have a future, and unfortunately, they're going to have to skip out on their teammates yeah. to make sure that they can provide for their family. Now, Marvin Harrison Jr., a different Those kind of a different don't have beast. To worry about it. He, yeah. you know, his his dad was it in the NFL. Have to be his dad. Pick any top five players on any college team. They're all making more money than we can ever imagine. Very already. true. I, I How about say, some of the players, though, that aren't making money? That's exactly why the bowl game's important. No, but they have a shot at being a certain draft pick, right? But they're not one of those NIL deal-type guys. Well, then, okay, right. So play. So, right. Play. So and, no, and, but, but maybe not play, though. I don't know. I mean, if, you're, if, if you have an opportunity – see, this is, all, this is all about risk versus reward, right? If the risk – Far out seeds the reward. The reward. So if you're a top, if you're going to be in the top five, why would you risk playing in a in a meaningless bowl game mm-hmm. and risk your your NFL future? If if you're going to be a fifth round, if you're projected to be a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick, and you have the opportunity to be a third round pick, if you put some more good tape on or the more film on, then you play in the game. You play in the game. The, the the reward would be worth the risk in that in that category. By the way, I do. I will. I will not fault players for not playing in, in meaningless bowl games. I just won't. But 
I do think from a competitive standpoint, Jamie, you and I are more aligned than, than you think. From a competitive standpoint, yeah. if I'm an I, NFL yeah. team, like Bo Nix, for example, Bo Nix is, is going to go to the NFL. Bo Nix is also going to play for Oregon uh, against Liberty in the bowl game. He's going to play that game. Because he needs I to. Think that, but I think that's, I also think there's something there's something to the competitive nature of a, of a, of a player that speaks, speaks to me. But again, I'm not going to criticize anybody else that, that's not going to play. And I think to your point, for Bo Nix, do you want to go out in your college career as a loser? loser? No. Whereas some other players, harsh, but he did lose the last some other game. players don't feel that way. They look towards their future. I, I don't think that there is a concrete right or wrong answer to this. Yeah. It just depends on what kind of person you are. And if you're not that type of person that wants to play for your teammates, unfortunately, your teammates could be upset, like Jamie has alluded to. But some others could say, hey, I totally get it. If I was in your shoes, I'd do the exact same thing. So Jamie's got a headache right now. We're about to give him a migraine over uh, the next topic. Next, I want to win ESPN. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. So yesterday I looked at Jamie at one point. I saw that he was exasperated. And I said, Jamie, are we are we overblowing the, the Blues defensive system and how much that impacts the uh, <laughs> the the on, on ice products, whether it's struggles or whether it's you know highlights for the Blues? Are we overblowing this? And uh, you said, and I quote, Anthony, I'm so sick of talking about this. <laughs> so, of course, we're going to talk about it again. Uh, but in a different in a different way. So why do you think we get it so wrong when it comes to talking all offseason about the Blues defensive system and different things that they're going to do to adjust because last year didn't go well for the Blues at all? What do you th- why do you think we get it wrong when we start to talk about this defensive system and how it in- again impacts the rest of the 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 game for the Blues? Well, a couple of things. If you look at the goals for for the Blues in the month of November, it's almost double the goals for from September. So if the defensive system was there to prevent them from scoring goals, it would probably hold true almost all season long. And it hasn't. What what happened is exactly what I told you would happen is once they figure out how they're supposed to play the system, they'll be able to generate more offense out of it because you're creating more turnovers. 
ultimately you're you're more compact and you're not giving up the net front. You're not giving up the middle of the ice. And when teams try to come to that area, you have to play strong. And when you do, you'll create turnovers. And when you create turnovers, you can go on the offense. You see a lot of uh, quick transition plays out of the Blues recently. A lot of the defensemen getting up involved in the rush, sometimes a little bit aggressively, too aggressive to where the pucks aren't quite in the area where you'd like them. So then a turnover or a bad play creates a odd man rush back the other way. But that's okay. It's, it's part of the learning curve. Yeah, I think you'll see some of those guys dial it back. But when's the, when's the last time you've seen Colton Pareko play this good? Um, 2019. Both sides of the puck, right? Yeah. How about Nick Letty? Nick Letty's also turned into a one-man breakout again. Sure. It, it's because these guys are creating turnovers, and then they're able to take the puck and go with it. Mm-hmm. Colton Pareko takes the puck and goes with it. Guys, Corey Krug, Justin Falk, they do a real good job of being a part of that rush, and it creates more of an offensive attack out of it. So the defensive structure that they play in their own zone um, do, doesn't and shouldn't impact their offensive output as a group. And we talked about it yesterday. Maybe the worst kept secret of all is that several teams play the exact same way. Right. The exact same way. The Vegas Golden Knights, watch them play tonight. Watch their defensive zone. And then pause the screen or take a snapshot of it, picture. And then when the Blues play defensive zone, do the same. Watch. It's going to be almost identical to what they're doing. The Vegas Golden Knights have been just fine. Offensive. They, they won a Stanley Cup doing that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not worried about the system prohibiting the Blues from creating offense. Bad passes, lack of support, and turnovers are what prohibit the Blues from scoring goals. When you say that, Jamie, it kind of goes to the <laughs> – it's a reminder of how the the more we get away from like the fundamentals of the game, and not from a player standpoint, from a team standpoint, all the things that matter – because we want to talk about the X's and O's of the game because that that is that is more interesting. We tend to put more focus on what we think is interesting than what actually goes into winning and losing hockey games. And when you say things like don't turn the puck over, but, you know, don't don't send a pass in the center of the ice where it could get picked off. All this, when we talk about those things, it doesn't sound as sexy as when you're talking about the the F1 moving here, the what you know, whatever. You're talking about the, the X's and O's. Yeah. So we tend to put more focus on what's interesting as opposed to what actually matters when it comes to winning and losing hockey games. And I feel, I feel like we do that for most sports, quite frankly. Do we need to focus more on the Blues' neutral zone play and their regroups rather than the defensive system? Because I feel like that's where most of their turnovers are coming, which are leading to those odd yeah. man breaks and, and et cetera. So when the Blues get in trouble is when they start – playing east-west, which means side-to-side in the neutral zone. They're making passes board-to-board mm-hmm. through the middle of the ice, and, and they don't necessarily have the puck support in order to do it. And that's when they help other teams by being able to create the turnover in the neutral zone. And, like, look at the Buffalo game. The Buffalo Sabres are, have not been a good team this year, mm-hmm. but they have a lot of really talented players who move extremely fast. And every time you turn the puck over in the second period, that game against Buffalo, they were going back into your end full speed. So much so that they erased a three-goal deficit. So that's where the Blues caused their own headaches, is when they start going side-to-side in the neutral zone rather than moving the puck forward. Mm-hmm. And now it, there are times when you can go side-to-side. Mm-hmm. When, the, when the pass is available and you can make that tape-to-tape pass and send a guy in motion at full speed, yes, 
take that. But again, that's again taking what the opposition's giving you. The times where it doesn't make sense is when you have a back checker there, a defenseman that's holding its ice pretty well, and you're trying to sauce one or feed one through the triangle of the mm-hmm. stick and the player, and it gets picked off. Mm. And now you have two guys or three guys that are busting up the ice. Maybe your defenseman is trying to join the rush, and now they have to all hit the brakes at some point and try to back check because the other team now takes the puck, and with one quick pass, it's an outnumbered situation going back in on your goaltender. Yep. So that, to me, is where the Blues get themselves in the most hot water is going side-to-side in the neutral zone or side-to-side at the far blue line rather than advancing it north. If they are going to go you know, east-west and, and whatnot instead of going north and south in that neutral zone, would you like to see like an area pass, maybe a cross-corner dump in, that like a soft chip into the far corner that would sort of you know, get the, the forwards going and, and maybe create some ozone pressure? Well, look, that's the one thing that Craig Berube tries to remind some of his his very uh, dynamic players is not asking you to dump the puck in every single time. But when you don't have a play, don't force it. And someone like Jordan Cairo, who has learned, and, and you watch him recently, he's done a much better job of it, is he gets up to the blue line with full speed, realizes there's really nowhere to go, so he'll chip the puck in but go get it himself. So imagine being a defenseman where you're trying to match speed with a guy like Jordan Cairo. One, that's a very difficult thing to do. Two, you can't interfere with the player anymore. Subtly, but not really, without getting a penalty. So if Jordan Kyra's coming at me full speed, let's say it's 22 miles per hour. He's coming straight at me, and I'm trying to defend him. I have to try and hold the blue line. I'm not giving up ice because if I give up ice, Jordan Kyra's a dangerous player. And if it's not him, maybe it's Braden Shen he passes to because he has an extra second or a second and a half. So now I'm trying to gap up. When I gap up, Imagine me being backwards, pushing on my heels now, going forward to defend, and Jordan Cairo puts the puck past me, moving at 22 miles per hour. What are my options? Probably to take him out and take a penalty. Take a penalty or I'm screwed, right? This is why that play can be effective. This is why Craig Berube says when you don't have anything left, put it just advance the puck behind the defenseman. You might have a, a, a line mate that's able to slash through there and pick up the puck, which is just as effective, or you the, yourself, the individual. Just chip it in, a little shimmy shake like a wide receiver off the line and down pass. The guy has to take a penalty or he has to let you get the puck. And it doesn't mean you're going to get a goal-scoring opportunity, but you get possession of the puck now, and now they're all you know bailing back towards the front of their net. Now you can establish that offensive zone time. Yeah. So that's why it's important that you always advance the puck. You know, sometimes on the power play, you'll see the drop pass play, but that's a whole other ball of wax that we're dealing with there. But for me, the most part, if you have good puck support, and good speed through the neutral zone, you shouldn't have to be drop-passing it or moving the puck laterally, per se. That's Jamie Rivers. That's Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN Blues. Golden Knights pregame starting right here on 101 ESPN at 7 o'clock. How much of last season's struggles are on Ollie? Marsh had an interesting conversation with uh, an acquaintance yesterday about this that kind of sparked a good conversation in the office. We'll get to it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So, Marsh, you were talking to an acquaintance, a buddy, about you know some some of the things that, and this is always good. We we tend to do this where we're we're talking to a friend or an acquaintance and and just kind of picking their brain on some of the things they might be hot on the St. Louis sports scene. And Marsh, you're 
your buddy kind of brought up an interesting point that sparked a good discussion in the off in the office. Yeah, he uh, was talking to me last night and just sort of wanted to know why a lot of fans have frustrations towards Ali Marmel and maybe not so much towards the players because we tend to look at a team and when they struggle, I think the first thing we think of is, hey, fire the manager and not keep those players accountable. Right. Now, there are listeners and fans that definitely have certain players that they have a disdain for and whatnot, but uh, I think most of the conversations that at least we've seen on the text line and on our uh, in the snake pit um, <laughs> have centered around Ali Marmel maybe not being the guy for the cards. I have a I have a very kind of simple thought on this, and it goes to human behavior. When we watch a game, we know consciously or subconsciously, even though even though you have the guy that's like, you know, if I didn't tear my rotator cuff in, in high school, I would have been Cy Young winner at this point. You, Coach you screwed me over. Yeah, yeah. You always have those guys. If I didn't get it's always the second injury. base. Right, exactly. Oh. Yeah. No, nah, I'm pretty honest with uh, my inability uh, when it comes to the baseball field. But when we watch... Again, when we watch a professional game, subconsciously or consciously, we know we can't do what Shohei Otani can do. We know we can't do what Patrick Mahomes can do or Connor McDavid can do. But we can always put ourselves in the shoes of the manager, the head coach, the GM. They, they typically look like us. They make decisions that we often run ourselves through during games. So we're more critical of the manager and the head coach more so than we are the player. That's just my thought on it. I think it goes down to human behavior. So when it comes to Ali or any manager for that 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 matter, we if we're diehard baseball fans, and most of us are in St. Louis, we put ourselves through those scenarios. And if we would have done something differently, obviously we're critical of Ali. Even if even if the 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 decision would have been right had the player executed, we still pin that on the manager. We still pin that on the head coach. Uh-huh. It's kind of like play calling in football. If the quarterback threw the ball to the right spot, it's a first down. Or if the running back did not miss the hole that he was supposed to go, and there was a lane there. Uh-huh. But he bounced it outside and he got tackled. We blame the OC. Why didn't you throw it in that spot? We're not blaming the running back. So I think that is why we typically tend to blame the manager and the GM more. And I think media members do it too. I think there's I think there's a there there are media members that really harp on the the manager and the GM and the head coach or the play caller because quite frankly it's easier. It's easier to talk about their missteps than it is maybe a player's. Yeah, so the discussion here is, you know, whether we should blame the manager or blame the players. And and you've mentioned it a couple of times now, the management. So why don't we focus on that for a second? Because Ali Marmel could only manage the team he was given. True. And Ali Marmel, to what we know, being a younger manager, had some input on his lineup, but ultimately did not have ultimate input on his lineup. So now, the players that are being played or put into certain situations may not actually be his first choice. But they're playing anyways because, you know, there's an order of how we do things around here. Or that's what's available on the roster. Or it's available on the roster. Yeah. And then when the player isn't good enough in that spot, 
it shows bad on Ollie Marmel. So then Ollie Marmel goes to put the next guy in, but he doesn't have anybody better. He doesn't have anybody better. Mm-hmm. You know, replace Newt Bar with Alec Burleson. That's not an upgrade. You know, replace Dylan Carlson with Jordan Walker. I mean, defensively, mm-hmm. not an upgrade. Like, wasn't a whole lot of spots. Like Taylor Motter played how many games last year? Right, too many. Like, no. okay, I'm not being, and I'm not trying to be a jerk to Taylor Motter because I'm happy that he got to play. But this is my point. And in your rotation last year, when the rotation failed, what did you have? So what's what the hell's Ollie Marmel supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Every fifth day, he has to put somebody on that bump. And at one point, none of them were doing the job. Monty at one point was your most steady guy. Then it was pockets. Michael has had a couple of good games, and Matt's had a good like four-game run. And you know Zach Thompson, once he was allowed to pitch past four innings, he was okay. Yeah, but so what do you do? So if they're Ollie Marble and this is what you've been given, like there's only a certain limit of what you can abs- like attain with those guys. Mm-hmm. How much does analytics play into some of these decisions too? Because probably too much sometimes. I mean, uh, a lot of people are, are wanting that 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 gut feel move, yeah. right? But I, I feel like now baseball has turned into, okay, we have all these different situations that the computer has played out for us, mm-hmm. and if this situation pops up, we're automatically doing that. Does he have control of that? I mean, ultimately he does, but does he though well what do we but what do we say about analytics here on this show i'm not going to say across the board at 101 or across the board in media what does this show say about analytics it's just information yeah it's information it's information so marsh to your question ali is given the information it is up to him to interpret the information and then make the decision and the decision may have been the wrong one and the right result occurred and all we do is talk about the result. What a great move. It's actually the wrong decision, but it worked out. Conversely, he makes the right call in a situation. Player doesn't execute. Result is bad, therefore the decision was bad. I don't think we know how to properly evaluate a manager, especially when we don't have all the information, what analytics, who's available, all that. But who's we calling just, the shots. Who's calling the shots, but... That was my point. About the analytics? Like, if he ends up making a move from a gut feel standpoint, we all think, hey, that's probably the best move here, and it yeah. doesn't work out, then maybe he is at fault, not only for the game, but with upper management, too, because they said, hey, we have all these analytics and everything, and, and yeah. you went against that. Why are you doing that? So if it, if it were me... I'm not saying that's what's happening, but well, The flip it could side be. of that is how about the times he's guessed right? Right. Does he get extra bonus for that? Does he get little gold stars because his gut feeling was sure. better than the analytics? Oh, I don't know. Well, well I think... I'm not saying it's going to say overall. But this is part... I think this is part of the conversation when it comes to analytics, though. How much our front office is saying, just do, do this. Because some of the analytics may say 52% of the time this works out. And that tells you you should do it. <laughs> right? I, but it does tell you. If the front office... I'm I not talking about Cardinals, or just any front office. 52%, that means you should do it? As opposed to 80% of the time, this is this is the outcome. If it's 80% of the time, if I'm the manager, I'm just going to go with the 80%. I'm not going to overthink this one. But if it's in that 50 to 60 range, 50 to 65% range, hell, if it's 60%, that means 40% of the time it doesn't work out. 
then it's up to me as a front office to trust the guy that I put into place. I don't know what the dynamics are for in the use of analytics, Cardinals management, and the front office. I don't know what they they tell Ollie to do. I know what I would do. I would say, hey, we put you in a spot because we believe that you're capable of managing a game. We're also going to provide you with information. How you interpret that information is up to you. Hopefully you make enough enough right calls. That means we made the right decision on you, and you made the right decision on the team. But if I'm overseeing him and saying, well, 55% of the time it worked out, why did you go the other way? Well, my God, man, 45% of the time it doesn't work out. Right. But so it's up to the it's up to Ollie yeah. or any manager for that to make the to, to make the right decision in that in that moment. So here's what one I agree with you. Here here's what it should be is the front office is tasked with putting together the best roster that they can from a financial standpoint, from a drafting standpoint, all that stuff. Right. And then the moment that spring training is over, you have to hand the team over to the manager. You have to. Here's the analytics department. They're at your disposal. Anything you need from them, you you draw from that. Right. I'm going to be up in the press box over here, and when you need me, I'm there. And if we need an upgrade or a player transaction, we'll discuss things. And, of course, these guys are going to meet probably on a daily basis, quick phone call, kind of a little summary of the day before. What's you know, all that. But ultimately, all roster decisions, everything should fall on the manager's plate. That way there, if the manager fails, you absolutely know that he's not the guy. Yes. But how can you say he's not the guy or he's failed if you haven't given him 100% control of his own situation? Right. That's the only part that I don't know how the pie chart is cut up down there, whether mm-hmm. it's front office 80%, Ollie 20, or if it's right. 50-50, if it's 64 I don't know how it works. Yeah. But I do know that Ollie is not operating just on what he feels. Yeah. There's other input. I saw a tweet last night. I thought this was interesting, especially for this conversation, as, as it pertains to analytics. This is from a 1979 IBM presentation. A computer can never be held accountable. Therefore, a computer must make a uh, must never make a management decision. Absolutely, I, I agree with that. I think that's well said. That that goes into what we're saying. Mm-hmm. I think that's perfect. Mm-hmm. You nailed that. Bringing that up, the computer spits out the information. How we interpret that information. Is, is on us because we're human beings because mm-hmm. we're flawed but we also have instincts and we also have experience and we're put in a certain situation to make decisions based on that experience and that knowledge and that decision making but the computer is what the computer is it's kind of like when, when when we say it's it, 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 we're only responsible for what we say not for what you hear so if you disagree with one of our takes and you blindly shut out shut off your ears and you start arguing or you know blasting us on the text line, we might even be might not even be making that same argument. But that that was on you for hearing something that was much different than what we were saying. The information is there. The computer spits out that information. We're human beings. We're we're in place to make these decisions. If we make enough right ones, then we get to keep our jobs. If not, then you know we're looking for work. And bottom line, to sort of wrap all this up, Ollie puts players in certain situations. It is up to them to execute. Correct. If you bring in Drew Verhagen, he throws four straight balls and walks a guy. That's not Ollie's fault, is it? No. For bringing to him some in? degree, yes, well, because maybe, he's in a leadership but, spot. But again, but what if he has nothing else to grab? Exactly. And that's what's put <laughs> that in the goes, cupboard. That goes. If you have nothing the... left in the fridge to eat except for. You know, a box of, I don't know, something you don't like. Right. You got to eat, right? Yeah. Oh, well, I guess I'll eat this. 
Yeah, if you didn't stock, if you didn't stock up last time, and it you're looking at some questionable food that that's left over, and you get a stomach ache, that's on you. You didn't shop right, or shop, or shop at all. Yeah, but what if you don't shop for yourself? Then whoever shopped for you did it wrong. Very true. That's my point. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We're going to play Prove Me Wrong next. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Prove me wrong, kids. Prove me wrong. Typically a fan favorite here. Prove me wrong. You have an opportunity to send in your statement via the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646. And you have an opportunity, or we do at least, to prove you wrong. Welcome to the law firm of uh, Rivers and Stalton <laughs> and the uh, the honorary Judge Andrew Marsh taking his his place. All right, gentlemen, the court is in order. Let's start off with the 618. Prove me wrong. St. Louis people are easier on Doug, on Doug Armstrong than they are on John Mosellock. I I don't think there's any question of that. I think they're way easier on Army than they are on Mo. Now, what, what the reasoning behind that is? Probably because he landed Ryan O'Reilly and because he brought back David Braun a couple of times and, you know, won a, uh, the most recent championship and... Well, you go through all of the the Mo issues uh, from a trade standpoint, and things haven't really gone that well. And free agency, they like to pin on him, even though it's DeWitt's money. Um, I I absolutely think that. Wait, I'm supposed to be proving him wrong. You just did that, Jamie. Mm. Yeah, that was terrible. It was great if if it was the other argument. Yeah, I should have settled. I shouldn't have gone to court. <laughs> I should have settled. Yeah. You know what? My yeah, my, the, the, my client I, is guilty of sin. Uh, <laughs> let's just settle this. Yeah, that's my fault. Time served. Right. Okay. That started good. Let's uh, mm. let's clear the slate here. Uh-huh. No, you already lost. Yep. Oh boy. We're moving on. That's what I'm saying. Let's clear the, the slate. Yeah. Let's clear the All slate. Right. And let's next try to move forward here. Uh, <laughs> prove me wrong. This is this one comes from Swan. Prove me wrong. Nolan Gorman is just another Tyler O'Neill due to his constant back injury. I don't believe this, but saw someone in the snake pit say it. Yeah. First of all, uh, you got a big bopping left-handed bat out there. He's got a l- had a couple of little small back issues, but the moment he could return, he did. He didn't have any specifications on whether it was grass, turf, concrete. Doesn't care. That guy will line up anywhere and bash baseballs right in your face is what he'll do. So as far as comparing him to Tyler O'Neill, one thing, he's also younger than Tyler O'Neill as he hits the major leagues. And I think that this issue is going to be resolved quickly. I think that maybe it was the most he's been used in a season since God knows when. So I don't think this back issue is something that you need to worry about. All you need to worry about is throwing a fastball down and low, and he's going to take that thing yabo on you. Nice. Good rebound, Jamie. Thank you. Blacked out. <laughs> From the 314, prove me wrong. Speaking of Tyler O'Neill, Tyler O'Neill will be a St. Louis Cardinal next year because he has no trade value right now. 
Well, I think we can all agree here in the courtroom that he does, doesn't have any trade value, but uh, no, that's, there's no way that Tyler O'Neill is still on the roster. Did you hear Jamo Zalok the other day? I'll tell you what a GM is not going to do when a player is going to be around. Say that he's on the trade block. You may get reports that a player is on the trade block, but to hear it right from the horse's mouth... That's a clear indication that John Mozeliak and the Cardinals have already moved on from Tyler O'Neill. It's a last-ditch effort to say, hey, don't forget, we got a sale going on. Might want to stop on by. <laughs> Knowing that you're probably not going to get anybody to come in to your sale, but you're going you're gonna to have to take, the, take that merchandise to the dumpster when it's all said and done. But there's no way, there's no way that John Mozeliak says that Tyler O'Neill is on the trade block and he still is on the team for next year. I needed that, Jamie. That was good. Thank Anthony, you. you've been doing pretty pretty bad lately. And prove me wrong. So what the hell? Well, I'm just I'm just stating the facts. You went okay. 0 for five the other day. Oh. Well, that's because Dan. What? That's because Dan kept. Uh, <laughs> did, he just did the same. Thing, he did the thing I just did, which I forgot what, I what game we're playing. One. I don't. I I want to earn it, Marsh. Uh, stop yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> From the 636, prove me wrong. Mizzou should be the number one destination of any portal running back. Beatty and Schrader prove that under drink system, a number one running back is going to thrive. Yeah, any uh, <laughs> any running back that wants to look at what Georgia has been able to do with their running backs or Texas has been able to do with their running backs could also say make the same claim of like, hey, look at Bijan Robinson, who was a top 10 pick, and then Roshan Johnson was still picked up by the Bears, and he has carved out a, a backup role in Chicago, and he was the backup to B. John Robinson at Texas. There's there's other universities that can claim to be running running back you. It's not just Mizzou. So to have them number one when it comes to that, that category, just because Schrader, great story, walk on, led the SEC in rushing, great story, but there's other universities that can produce running backs as well. Did he get that right? Read it again. Read to prove me wrong again. Mizzou should be number one. The Mizzou, yeah, that's that's what it was. Okay. Mizzou should be number I one it was for running backs. Be number one. And no, I was no, like, Anthony be. went yeah. the wrong way on the one way street. If I again. did, uh, Jamie, I would I would say suspend me from the law no, firm and I'll, just, I'll walk out. I had to make sure, you know. Yeah. We got to double check. I appreciate you. Two more here from the three one four. Prove me wrong. Dak Prescott is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Oh my God! Have you seen the list of teams that he just stacked up the numbers on? There's somebody called Matthew Padford. What was that? Pad Stadford? What'd you call him before? Yeah, Matt Padford. Yeah, mm. that guy. Okay, same thing for Dak Prescott right now. You just wait till he plays somebody that's actually any good at all. I am not sold on Dak Prescott as an MVP at all. I think that there's been an easy, lighter schedule for him. He's been the benefactor of that. And when you look at their upcoming games here, if you look at their losses, first of all, they got the Eagles and the 49ers are maybe the only two good teams that they've played against this year, and those are losses. And Dak didn't do very good in either of those games. So now they got the Eagles, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Lions coming up. No chance. Dak's going to fall right out of the MVP race. Smoke and mirrors, baby. From a statistic standpoint, passing yards, he's not the best. If you want to count how many touchdown passes he has, sure, he's the best. From a QB rating, not the best. So he's not there. We're going with the stats here. Beat up on the Panthers, beat up on the Commanders. Like, come on, man. Beat up on the Rams. Come on. Uh, by the way, it's Pad 
Stafford. Yeah, whatever. That's Matt what Padford. Yeah. I thought it was it's Matthew Stanford. No, it was, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Stanford. I didn't say that. Somebody else did. Who did that? Is that you? No, you had him. You had oh, him going, had him to, going Stanford. to Stanford. That's yeah. right. So it was me. Yep. Oh, damn it. All right, last one here from the <laughs> from the three one four. Prove me wrong. Monday night's win in Vegas was Jordan Bennington's greatest game as a blue. Well, let's just go back a little bit here. Although it was a good game, greatest game as a blue. How about let's start with this? How about his debut as a St. Louis Blue? Oh, I don't know. How about a shutout right there? Bam. Then how about the, the Dallas Stars? Yeah, you know what, Anthony? I got way more to say. Okay, we'll do that next. Then was it bit? What is, was it? Bennington's best game as a blue some are arguing that you want to chime in on this you can leave us a mic drop via the 101 espn app next on 101 espn we're right back to the fast lane podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn Uh, actually, June 12th, 2019, was Jordan Bennington's best game as a goalie, as a blue. I mean, okay, I like Stanley Cups, guys, okay? I'm sorry, but that's the best one. Shove it. <laughs> yeah, Anthony. I, your question. Take it. Wasn't my question. I don't know. I'm blaming you. Somewhere from the tax line. Hey, tis the season of giving, and 101 ESPN wants to give you free Cardinals tickets. That's right. Text in now, 314-399-9646 to score a Cardinals holiday pack of tickets. Just for answering this this, uh, question correctly, one former Cardinal signed a minor league deal with the Nationals today. Who is it? Text in the name. Text in the name, unless you're Jamie, 314-399-9646 to the Air Comfort Service tax line, and you could score a, a Cardinals holiday pack of tickets. Today, we're giving away the Bobblehead Ticket Pack. This five-game Bobblehead Pack features tickets to five different home games next season that include great Bobblehead giveaways, including Wayno and Louie, Hall of Fame uh, car, and more. A Hall of Fame car. So you have an opportunity to text in right now to win that Bobblehead Cardinals Ticket Pack. The Cardinals Bobblehead Pack, along with all the Cardinals Holiday Ticket Packs, are now on sale, with some starting at just $55. Learn more about Cardinals Holiday Ticket Packs at 101ESPN.com. That mic drop was from Robert, because we were were playing Prove Me Wrong, and somebody texted in that the Bennington performance the other night against Vegas was his best game as a blue. Jamie, you said you had more more on this. Yes. Mine is the Dallas game. Game 7. There you go. Game 7 against Dallas. We call it the Pat Maroon game. I think we just call it the Pat Maroon-Jordan Bennington game. Because without Bennington doing what he did, Ben Bishop and the Stars were, were advancing. Bennington, I thought that was Bennington's best performance. That was when I affectionately called him a psychopath. <laughs> yes, because he right. stood there when Maroon made the shot and he just, all right, and skated <laughs> off the ice. That was it. Like that, That's a true psychopath. That's that dude was so locked in. At that point. He was so locked in. He, was, he wasn't going to give a fist pump or anything. Just two taps, boom, on each post and out. Yeah. That, that, was that to me was his, was his best performance. You know what, Anthony? I forget about that. You never forget about that, which is great because I always forget about it. But you're so right. I remember you know seeing it live and watching it, and I'm like, you're looking for him to charge down the ice or so, and he just no, no. tap tap, and it was tap, just like, tap. all right, on to the next series, which is incredible. <laughs> I couldn't do that. 
Because his mind was already on, as we know, San Jose. Because yeah. uh, in the Western Conference Finals, I don't know if he knew it was San Jose at the time. Didn't matter. I forget. I think he did. I, I think, think San Jose got done before because we were. I game think they seven. did. Right. Uh, so that for me, that was that was Bennington's best performance. Before we get to Jamie's, let's hear from John because we asked for some mic drops. Here's John. Good afternoon, guys. Great show. Thank you. Hey, let's start off hot here. I agree with Jamie Rivers. Those guys should play in the bowl game. <laughs> they take the NIL money. Yes. They should play in the bowl games. Second, Anthony, come on. These backs at Mizzou are not five-star backs like the University of Georgia or the University of Texas get. They have worked from nothing to become noticeable. Mizzou has a great program for running backs. And finally, was this Bennington's best game? No way. Guys, come on. It was a good game, but it wasn't his best game ever. I love how John doesn't give us his choice of best game ever. <laughs> it's the greatest. John, we agree with you. Give was, us give us what the best no, game is. That's even better that way. He left it a cliffhanger. Yeah, he, he did. He left it a cliffhanger. Much respect for, for that. I, I also love it. John, with all due respect, I mean, I I, I, I love Schrader's story. Mizzou, Mizzou has a great a, a great program for, for running backs. Uh, ish. Yeah, if you squint. <laughs> so <laughs> we go back to uh, Jordan Bennington, but John took us off the rails, which I always appreciate. Yeah, I loved it, though. I appreciate that very much. But for me, Jordan Bennington – there's a couple. There's defining games. Will, will we call him them the greatest games or his greatest game? I think that's tough to define. I think the easiest way to look at it is that the game seven against the Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup final, I believe, has to be at the top of the hill here because of the magnitude, the magnitude, the pressure, like what all of it encompassed. You just came off a bad game as a team at home where you should have wrapped it up in six and there's 350, 400,000 people downtown St. Louis. It didn't happen. You're heading to the Boston Garden, which is an unfriendly spot to say the least to play a playoff game, let alone the, the biggest playoff game. And in the first period, it looked a lot like it did the other night in Vegas. The Boston Bruins had some unbelievable grade A scoring chances and Jordan Bennington was there to stop the puck, and then the Blues go down and score a goal, two goals in the first period, and that was kind of it for the game. Like, that was kind of it. You knew that Bennington was not going to be beat, certainly not by anything easy, and then you get to hoist the Stanley Cup after. So although the other night was a great win against the Vegas Golden Knights, had it been in Game 7 in the conference final, because they can't meet in the Stanley Cup final, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you look at that as a comparable I just think that the amount of pressure and the stress and the anxiety that was on that one individual for that Game 7 and Stanley Cup final outweighs, you know, what happened the other night. I'm thrilled that Jordan Bennington played the way he did, obviously. I mean, I love watching. I love calling those games. It's a lot of fun, but I don't think it was the greatest game. Here's Dylan who left us a mic drop. If it wasn't for Jordan Bennington, we wouldn't have a Stanley Cup in our franchise. You can't say that some random Monday night in the middle of the season was Jordan Bennington's best game best game of his career whenever the dude played in Game 7 of Stanley Cup and is the reason we won that game. Not to mention the Game 7 that went to double overtime against the Stars and the other playoff series whenever the Avs had to take him out for to surpass us. No. His best game of his career, 
was probably game seven of the Stanley Cup. I mean, what? How? when is it going to be higher stakes than that? So we can all agree that Monday was not his best. The conversation, I think, is, and correct me if I'm wrong, game seven against Boston or game seven versus Dallas? Yeah. Because game seven against Boston, you want a cup. But I, I'd be willing – I think I can make a pretty compelling argument that he was even better in Game 7 against Dallas from an individual uh, standpoint. You, maybe, maybe, but the problem, not problem, the, the thought I have behind mm-hmm. it is that the Blues had already been to a Western Conference final a couple times in recent years. So it's like, there's pressure, but, you know, if we've, eh. Yeah. Stanley Cup final Game 7, man, when you can, the, the trophy is in the building. You can mm-hmm. envision your name going on the cup. You can envision drinking champagne out of that bad boy. You're thinking about a parade. I know Jordan Bennington may say he wasn't thinking about any of those things. You are. You are. And then you get into the first period and you're playing the Bruins who have a stacked team. That's a lot of pressure, man. You don't get there without Game 7 against Dallas. I I agree, but you don't win the Cup without Game 7 against the Bruins. True. I, I would argue. Both are true. They're to- they're this, is totally why, true. this is why it's a fun argument. Chronologically, you win, okay? I get it, because yours happened first. So I would argue that the Blues defense actually were better in that Game 7 than essentially Jordan Bennington. They, t- they played two overtimes, and Dallas only had 30 shots. You know who was better in Game 7 against Boston? The offense. Well, what I, what I'm getting at is Jordan Bennington. Honestly, that game should have been a one nothing game. Mm-hmm. Colton Pareko turned the puck over. It hit, hit off his stick. Hit and off the, the referee. Went right to Matt Zuccarello, and the he ended up scoring. Money on the game, I heard. Blue should have won that three. Blue should have thankfully did. Blue should have won that one nothing in, in in regulation, and then you don't get the the you know the the wraparound saves that he makes. Yes, that was a great performance. I actually think that, um, geez, uh, Bishop played better than Bennington in that game. He stopped 50 shots. He, he did. You bite your tongue. He, he I'm, did. I'm just saying. Yeah, Local I'm, just, I'm just saying you bite your tongue. Local he product. was fantastic in that did game. Did he make the last save? No, he didn't. No, he did not. He did not, Anthony. God, yeah. you're good at this game. Thank you. Man, <laughs> if only you could bring that same type Don't of you dare. flavor to prove me wrong. Oh, damn. He does. Stop it. Don't harass my partner. Hey, don't worry about Marsh. He's got what's coming to him later. He sure does. We got Gauntlet oh, next crap. here in the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. It's a fast lane where it's 402. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex Jeweler with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh and Anthony Stalter. And we welcome Joe to the program. Joe is our latest contestant in the gauntlet. What's up, Joe? What's up, guys? How we doing? We're doing great. First time in the gauntlet? Yes, sir. First time. All right. Well, welcome in. Yeah, your choice. Would you like to take on Jamie Rivers, Marsh, or me today? Uh, I think I will take on Jamie Rivers. All right. Oh. Ribs is up. All right, Joe. Good luck, my man. Thank you, too. All right. So, Jamie's going to make his way into the cone of silence. Uh, Joe, go ahead and tell Marsh to spin the wheel. We'll see what category you get. Marsh, let's spin that wheel and let's uh, make it baseball. 
<laughs> All right, there you go. What, what category do you not want? Uh, NFL would be Okay. Jamie usually gets football. It won't be football, though. Oh, boy. Uh, how do you feel about hockey, Joe? That's all right. Okay. All right. I like it. It's it's fun hockey. This is the second hockey day in a row, right? Didn't you do hockey it yesterday? It is. Yeah. All right, Joe. As you know, you get four questions, all hockey. Jamie's going to get the same four questions. Each question is worth two points unless you ask for the options. If you ask for the options, those questions become worth one point. Are you ready? Let's do it. Here we go. Question one. Who is the only player in Blues history to score over 1,000... I imagine that's goals, obviously. 1,000 goals with the team. Who is the only player in Blues history to score over 1,000 goals with the team? Uh, I'm going to need the options. Brett Hall, Bernie Federko, Brian Sutter. I'm going to go Bernie Federko, final answer. Question number two: In his sixteen uh, in his sixteen year NHL career, Derek Broussard played for ten different teams. The only time he appeared in the Stanley Cup Final was in twenty fourteen with which team? Give me the options. The options are the LA Kings, the New York Rangers, or the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm going to go with LA Kings. Final answer. Question three, Joe. The three Plager brothers are Bob, Barclay, and which other Plager brother who played for the Blues, Minnesota North Stars, and the Atlanta Flames in his nine-year NHL career? Man, I'll take the option. Barry, Bill, or Benjamin? Bill, final answer. Question number four. Anthony's San Jose Sharks Come on, man. are no longer last in the NHL standings. They recently surpassed which team? Uh, give me the option. Options are the Anaheim Ducks, the Columbus Blue Jackets, or the Chicago Blackhawks? Chicago Blackhawks, final answer. All right. Well, welcome back, Jamie, in from the cone of silence. Joe, how are you feeling? Not good. Okay. All right. Well, you know, Jamie said, uh, oh, uh, Jamie said, um, <laughs> am I supposed to be in some here? Some travel. Not? Yeah, you are. Okay. Yep. I didn't know. Ryder said I'm in. I didn't see any of the hand waving or anything. So, yeah, no, you, uh, you're definitely in. Okay. Category is hockey today. Oh, boy. Yeah. Pressure's on. Category is hockey. Yep. Are you ready? Sure. Question one, Jamie. Who yeah. is the only player in Blues history to score over 1,000 points with the team? The only player in Blues history over 1,000 points? Wow. Could be Bernie Federko. Could be Brett Hull. Over 1,000 points. I don't think Bernie got to 1,000. So I'll go with Brett Hull. Final answer. Question number two. In his 16-year NHL career, Derek Broussard played for 10 different teams. The only time he appeared in the Stanley Cup Final was in 2014 with which team? Derek Broussard. 2014. That would have been the Ottawa Senators. Final answer. 
Question three, Jamie. The three Plager brothers are Bob, Barclay, and which other Plager brother who played for the Blues, the Minnesota North Stars, the Atlanta Flames, in his nine-year NHL career? Bill, final answer. And question number four. Anthony's San Jose Sharks mm. are no longer last in the NHL standings. They recently surpassed which team? The Chicago Blackhawks. Final answer. All right. Let's go over these. I'm glad this question worked out the way it did. Uh, so, as it's written, it says, who is the only player in Blues history to score over 1,000 with the team? Joe, I told you goals. It was points. I apologize. Oh, boy. Don't worry. Joe, you took the options. You went with Bernie Federko. Jamie, you did not take the options. You went with Brett Hall. Correct answer is? Bernie Federko. Thankfully, it was Bernie Federko. Joe, I apologize. I Bernie uh, got there. 1,073. There you go. Point. So, Barnard? Joe... Joe, you got it. You got it right, anyways. I imagine you would have taken the option, so I'm glad you didn't get burned on on my mistake on that. I apologize, but Joe's up one nothing. The three Plager brothers, Bob Barclay, and which other Plager brother who scored, uh, who played for the Blues, Minnesota North Stars, and the Atlanta Flames in his nine year NHL career? Jamie, you said Bill. Joe, you said Bill. Correct answer is Bill. Jamie did not need the options for that one though, so we're tied. We have a two two tie. The San Jose Sharks. I'm not going to read it as it's written. The San Jose Sharks, not my team, Jamie, are no longer last in the NHL standings. They recently surpassed which team? Jamie, you said the Chicago Blackhawks. Joe, you said the Blackhawks. Correct answer is? It is the Chicago Blackhawks. Jamie did not need the options, though. So Jamie has a 4-3 lead over Joe. It comes down to this. In his 16-year NHL career, Derek... Broussard played for 10 different teams. The only time he appeared in the Stanley Cup final was in 2014 with which team? Jamie, you said the Ottawa Senators, who were not an option. Ah, damn it. We know they weren't an option because Joe asked for the options. What were the options? Kings, Rangers, Lightning. Oh, it was the Rangers. Joe said the Kings. <laughs> if it's the Kings... Sorry, Joe. If it's the Kings, you couldn't just, I mean, you couldn't shut your mouth for two seconds, Jamie. I, just, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, Anthony. If it's the Kings, we've got a walk-off situation. If it's the Rangers or the Lightning, Jamie's going to win by one. Joe. You have chosen poorly. You lose. Correct answer is. I don't know, Anthony. What is it? The New York Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie wins four to three today over Joe. Nice job, Joe. Appreciate it, guys. Have you, a good one. Yeah, you too, Joe. I mean, hey, nice job. You said you didn't feel great. You, you, you got three of the four right. So That's nice, awesome. nice work, man. Yeah, you know what? I don't know much about hockey, so I'm okay with that show. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, impressive, yeah, no buddy. doubt. Nice well job. Done. All right, Joe. We'll Thank talk you. to you. Thank you for playing. Have a go. What year was the Senators that they made it to the final? Was that, it 2012? I was two, no, 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 no. 2009? No. It's like 2006. Was it that far ago? Yeah, because then you had you had the lockout, and before that it was the Lightning and the Flames. Then the year after the lockout was the Oilers and um, who did Carolina, the Carolina, Carolina, Carolina won. And then the year after that Iowa was. played who in the final? Was it Anaheim that year? Uh, yeah, so maybe that was 2007, 06, 07. Oh God, I was way off. Oh, well, I was thinking in my head, Senators, Penguins. I didn't think of the Rangers. I forgot he played there. Oh, well. Yeah, either way, you won. Next nice day. job there, Jamie. Nice job. Hey, I you 
No. Yeah, you kind of admit when you get lucky. I got lucky. Joe had three right. I had two. He did. Use the options on all. He even said too. He's he wanted. He didn't want football, and it spun hockey. He goes, all right, I'll take hockey. A great attitude. I love it. Yeah, no doubt. All right, you could join the holiday spirit by helping us here at 101 ESPN support Operation Food Search throughout the month of December. We've partnered with STL Shirt Company to offer a special 101 ESPN online merch store this month, offering 101 ESPN t-shirts, hoodies, and hats, and more. Plus, we've brought back some of your favorite designs, including the Dunk shirts, the Be Patient shirts, as well as Jamie Rivers and Brad Thompson jerseys. Order any 101 ESPN swag during the month of December, and proceeds from all sales will go to support Operation Food Search. Visit the 101 ESPN online merch store now at 101ESPN.com. It's all powered by McBride Homes. We're going to talk to Jeremy Rutherford in about 20 minutes or so ahead of tonight's Golden Knights and Blues rematch. So JR from The Athletic joining us at 4.30. But coming up next, Mo backs Marmel, but does his actions building a roster support that? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Uh, it's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, and Anthony Stalter, and 101 ESPN breaking news alert. Apparently, this this just went down. The Yankees are on the verge of acquiring Juan Soto from the Padres. No word yet on what they're giving up, but it sounds like uh, Juan Soto is it the equivalent of Dylan Carlson? I. I don't think so. John Morosi does have names involved. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah. Right. Would you like me to he read those off? Uh, yes, please. Okay. So the deal, as Jack Curry and Joel Sherman have reported, the Padres send Juan Soto and Trent Grisham to New York for Michael King, Drew Thorpe, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and Kyle uh, Higashoki. Higashoka. Or the catcher. Yeah. Higgy. You can just call it you just call him Higgy. That's Higgy what, with it. That's what they say. Right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, that's what the that's what the Yankees broadcasters call him Higgy. Yeah. All right. So Trent Grisham said oh, so so Soto and Trent Grisham mm-hmm. go to go to the Yankees. That's interesting. Grisham's a really good player. Well, they've just remade their outfield. What'd you say? I missed it. Is that Robert's brother? No, it's not Robert's brother. <laughs> Why do you gotta do that? Yeah, major breaking news here in the world of baseball. Well, I thought the family connection yeah, would be quite be jo- interesting. They're gonna be jokey, jokey over there in your shirt. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> your button-up shirt. Okay, so Soto and Grisham to the Yankees for Michael King, Drew Thorpe, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and Kyle Higgy, the catcher. That's a that's a pretty good deal for the Yankees. I gotta say, you knew the Padres. You know, it's funny. Dan McLaughlin, who filled in yesterday for the first couple of hours for you, Jamie, he was in the uh, office. We were all in the office, and we saw Mike Schilt on MLB Network, and he was talking. Obviously, he's the new manager of the Padres, and he was talking to MLB Network, and they flashed the the batting order for the Padres, and Dan was like, "Man, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good order." I'm like, "Who's going to be there though?" 
Who's going to be yeah. there for, for Schilte? Because the Padres was everybody's mid-market wet dream. They went out there and they made all these splashy, you know, all these splashy trades and made these big time moves and they built the dream lineup. Didn't even make the playoffs this year. There was going to be the the bill was going to come due on that. Well, they had to borrow fifty million dollars to that bill, and then the the bill that is still coming, where <laughs> you're going to have to free up salary. Yes. So Soto goes, Grisham goes, I don't think that this is going to be the last of it either, Jamie. I think we're going to see, I mean, Machado got a big deal. Jay Cronenworth got a big deal. I'm sure you, Darvish, is still making some good money. They're going to have to make some moves here to free up even more than what we just heard. So for the Yankees, you got Judge, Stanton, Soto, and again, Grisham is a really good player. So your outfield slash DH is, is set again. Yeah, the Provided Yan- everybody can stay healthy, which is the Yankees. For the Yankees, it, it, never the case. It, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, what else have the Yankees added? Because last year was not a uh, stellar year for the Yankees. No, not at all. So Judge missed a lot of time. Stanton missed time. It wasn't a good team. No. So just Juan Soto, that's it? You're right back on track? Back no. in the hunt? Nope. They still need pitching. So think of the money that they've spent right now. Mm-hmm. Look at their outfield. The total cost of goods for your outfield. That's a lot, man. It is. I mean, it's impressive. Don't get me wrong. It's impressive. Oh, they get three great outfielders. Right. Great. But they're about as close to winning a, a division as the Cardinals are right now. Mm-hmm. And they play in a much they, – they play an actual division. That's what I'm saying. Where I'm, every I'm, team is trying. I'm taking, you know, the, the difficulty factor into consideration sure. here. Yeah. So it, I don't know. Okay, so this play this actually plays in pretty well with our conversation that we're going to have. Mo backs Marmel. He has said has said as much. But does his actions in building a roster support that? Jamie, you you kind of brought this up in a previous segment when you were talking about Marmel, and you're spot on. Marmel can only play the guys on the roster that he has at a given time too. It's not just what the Cardinals do during the off season. Mm-hmm. It's what they've done in previous off-seasons, what they've done in previous drafts, what they've done in previous international free agent markets. This is the roster. And at times last year, especially in the second half, the roster wasn't good at all for Ali Marmel. Do you feel as though that Mo is backing Marmel from a roster standpoint? Well, it wouldn't appear. Right now, he's certainly in a greater spot than he was last year at this time. And But... That's the problem, is last year at this time, you built a roster that won you less than 90 games this year. Sure. So, so that wasn't that wasn't a big hurdle. No, it wasn't. And so the roster couldn't really support the manager because it wasn't it just wasn't a good enough roster. Mm-hmm. Now, John Mozeliak quoted Derek Gould. Uh, John Mozeliak is quoted in a Derek Gould article on saying these very words. I'm very bullish on him, talking of Marmel, but I also work for an owner. And we want things to get turned around. And by no means is this putting all the pressure on Ollie. We are a team. And as a team, we have to change our trajectory. So hang on here. I want to isolate a couple things. I'm very bullish on him, but I also work for an owner. So read between the lines right there. He's saying, oh, Ollie's Ollie's my guy um, until he's not good. And then I'm going to fire him to save me. Ollie's my guy. I picked him, but I also report to somebody. That's rep- that's the way I take so, it. it. Or it's almost like a, 
Ollie's my guy, but I work for an owner. And the owner didn't give me enough money last year, didn't give me the okay with the budget to go get a better roster. I know I'm reading really into this stuff, but sometimes when John Mosellock talks, you have to really kind of unpack some of this. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and we want things to get turned around. So the ownership and Mo and Ollie, or the ownerships and Ollie and, and, and Mo want to turn it around and Ollie's on watch right now. Mm-hmm. Like, who's who wants to get it turned around? All of them or just the top brass? I mm-hmm. mean, I'm assuming all of them want to get I it know, turned but around. I know, but the way it's worded, right? Well, how about this? To, in your, to your point, Jamie, does Ollie have a a contract after this year? No. Does Mo? Yes. That's he all does. That, that's, that, that is really, that's everything. And he says, and by no means is this putting all the pressure on Ollie. Well, of course it is. <laughs> it's not putting the pressure on you, Mo. You have another year on your deal, from what I remember. It's not putting pressure on the DeWitts. They still own the team. Mm-hmm. They're still going to make money. Right. So the pressure is all on Ollie Marmol. This is why I go back to my original comment earlier in the show, is if it's all on Ollie, then let it be on Ollie. Go put together the best roster you can. And I think that John Mozeliak right now, in compared to the last two off-seasons, this is his best off-season in the last three years. It's at least his most aggressive. Most competitive. Yeah. Okay? It's the most aggressive. Whatever you want to work. It's better than it was last year and better than it was the year before. He showed the urgency this, this time around. So I feel like at least he's giving his manager some of the pieces that he requires. Mm-hmm. Bringing back Yachty in whatever capacity as special assistant to the president of baseball operations. So basically, whatever Yachty wants to do, he's going to do, which is fine. Yeah. And they've talked about him, you know, outlining not just with the catchers, it'd be pitchers, catchers, position to play, it'd be around the clubhouse, all this stuff. Good. Give Ollie some of the tools. Daniel Descalso, back. Great. People view it as pressure for Ollie. Oh, he's right there. He's a, and Yachty's right Yachty, there. The manager yeah. in waiting. No. This is what you call giving your manager a good supporting crew with him. Mm-hmm. It, it's not that the guys weren't qualified last year, but based on the situation, Matt Holliday changing his mind and then the market kind of not having anybody. You ended up with what you ended up with. Sure. And Skip Schumacher leaving, obviously Skip knew what he was doing. He was probably a big help for Ollie. There's no doubt he was. So now Daniel Descalso and, and Yachty, they have the opportunity to be a big help to, to Ollie at the same time. So I feel like finally they're giving Ollie like what he should have had. Uh, since you brought up Yachty, we haven't really touched on this that much because it, it really it's not that surprising outside of if you just kind of talk about his – his title, uh, Yadi Molina, officially is the special assistant to the president of baseball operations. So he's the special assistant to John Mozeliak. What does that mean? I don't know. It sounds like an it sounds like something from the office, quite frankly, with Dwight Schrute. But Yadi, Yadi's likely to be there for most of spring training. How much is he going to be there for the for the regular season? I have no idea. But that is something I think that that is going to be worth following moving forward here, Jamie. How much is Yachty involved there in the regular season? We know he's going to be involved in the spring training. Yeah, we do. And again, I think it's positive. All this stuff is positive. The more good baseball brains you can put in the room at the same time, the better it is for your organization. I don't view this as Ollie trying to step in and take over the manager's job. If he wanted to do that, he would have said, I want to be the bench coach because I'm ready to be around for 162 games. He didn't say that because he's not ready. Family commitments, whatever it is, he's just not ready for that yet. Great. He may never be ready for 162. I don't know. That's why I don't view it as a direct threat to Ali Marmol. Sure. 
I look at it as resources for a manager to pull from. Everybody says, well, I, he never played. Oh, he never played the big leagues. Well, now he's got two guys that can help him that did. Mm-hmm. Daniel Descalso and Yadier Molina, amongst the other guys. You still have guys like Jason Isringhausen in the organization. You have guys. Willie that, McGee. You have Willie McGee. You have guys that can help you. Yeah. So I look at it all as a positive thing. I looked at I look at the offseason so far in free agency that it's been a step in the right direction. I finally feel like Ollie's maybe getting the support that he should have had from the beginning. That's Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Again, if you missed it earlier, John Morosi <laughs> reporting that the Yankees and Padres are finalizing an agreement that would send Juan Soto and Trent Grisham to the Yankees in exchange for some uh, just kind of a a mixed uh, a mixed bag of young players, prospects, as well as uh, some major league players like Kyle Higgy for the the catcher for the Yankees. So that deal is going to be finalized pretty soon here, according to John Paul Morosi. So that's uh, th- some things are moving here in Major League Baseball. We're going to switch gears. We'll talk about hockey. Blues, Golden Knights, round two is tonight. And we're going to talk to Jeremy Rutherford about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Notes and Nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues Insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter. Let's head to the 101 ESPN Celebrity Line. We're joined by our guy, Jeremy Rutherford, the Blues insider with The Athletic. What's up, JR? Not too much, guys. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good, especially uh, following that win the other night in Vegas. And, of course, Golden Knights now in in, uh, town for round two. Did you have an opportunity to catch up with the former captain of the Blues, uh, Alex Petrangelo? (laughs) Oh, my gosh, guys. 19 years covering the team, and this might be the most embarrassing moment I've ever had. The Vegas Golden Knights are on the ice today for their morning skate at 11:30. There's about five of us, like in the front row, kind of looking into the glass, watching them practice. And uh, here comes a Golden Knights player, and we lock eyes. And I'm thinking, this is Petro. I flip him the bird. You know, I've known him since he was 18 years old, and he came to St. Louis. I saw. I don't know what got into me, but I just flip him the bird. The guy looks at me, freaks out, looks around to see what's going on who who the heck just flipped me off this wasn't alex petrangelo this is nicholas Waugh. i had the wrong guy so. oh my god <laughs> gr were you over served at breakfast today that's incredible yeah, over served oh it's so great so the pr guy for vegas i know him uh nate yule and i explained to nate oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh what just happened and so about 20 30 minutes later we're in the locker room and he goes jeremy rutherford nicholas Waugh. Yeah. nicholas <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. Obviously, yeah, I, we told Petro about it too, and he said that's okay. He's French. That's how they say hello to each other. There you go. <laughs> uh, obviously, Wa was was okay. No, no hurt feelings. Everything was good. Yeah, he actually told me that George McPhee, I think it was, or Kelly McCrimmon, uh, actually did the same thing. Thought that he was Petro. Look, he's six four, and he's got a big brown beard. Looked just like him. So <laughs> that's my excuse. Hey, you could be called worse things than Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, or sure. at least mistaken for it. Yeah, that's incredible. That is incredible. Well, Jr. Live and learn, right, buddy? Yeah, right. right. Keep the bird down. <laughs> My goodness. Double. At least until you know the intended target. Look twice before you bird. That's right. <laughs> hey, Jr. Uh, a lot of friendly discussion, friendly debate 
today on the airwaves and the last couple of days, really, about the performance of Jordan Bennington. Uh, some people saying it's the best game that he's ever played as a blue. Anthony and I feel differently, but what's your opinion? The other night you saw that game. It's a pretty darn good game, but you've also seen him play some other really good games too. Yeah, well, here's the way I look at it. Something I've learned uh, over the years being a sports writer. You can make a, po- a proclamation, and then if somebody says, yeah, well, what about that game? February 24th, you know, 2021, <laughs> then you just go, oh, yeah, that one too. <laughs> I, I think in the meantime, like the this game the other night, that was just absolutely off the charts. And, you know, so I wrote that this was the best game he's played since Game 7, and obviously you make the case because that's the, the Game 7 Stanley Cup, so much circumstance on the line there. But I will say we're in the locker room today, the Vegas locker room, and Barbashev said the same thing. Ivan Barbashev, the former Blue, he said, look, I've seen this guy play a ton of games. And I think that was his best since Game 7. Now, you might be a little biased if you're Barbie, right? Because he got he, he got thwarted by uh, Bennington twice the other night. Right, Riv? Yeah, I was actually going to follow up with that. Did Barbie ever apologize for trying to run over Jordan <laughs> Bennington and, and remove his head from his body? <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't ask him that. We should have because obviously everybody remembers uh, the play the other night. Probably should have been a penalty. Barbie got away with one there. But maybe he knew how Bennington was going to play the rest of the night, so he just thought he'd get rid of him early. Well, I never said I disagreed with the strategy. <laughs> I just didn't like it from a Blues fan standpoint. That's all. Well, that's Jeff Cortinall going in on, what, Jamie Storer, right? Yeah, You know what, JR, it was accidental. Uh, the fact that it changed the entire game and won us a series, that's just, you know, it just happened to be that way. That's all. Hey, listen, you, you say accidental, and I hope people are uh, remember what we're talking about here. Cortinall going in, and he gets, uh, they end up getting the five-minute major and the blue score four power play goals. I'll never forget calling <laughs> Kelly Chase about that and talking to Jeff Cortinall, and, and Kelly Chase goes, Courts statute of limitations just tell him you meant to do it on purpose come on buddy enough time's passed what are you going to get a, a department of player safety well let me take you behind the curtain a little bit on that one jr since we're on the topic and here's let me give backstory on this for maybe some people who have no idea what we're talking about i think it was 1998 we're playing the la kings in the playoffs the first round we're up three nothing in the series but we're down i believe three nothing in the game jamie store had been playing unbelievable for the la kings so Jeff Cortnell told a certain player, hey, dump it in. I'm going to run the goalie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the puck got Allegedly. To, uh, yeah, uh, no. Uh, no, statute of limitations says uh, I can tell the story the way it went down. And uh, puck got dumped in, and uh, Courts just uh, made sure to, oh, I don't know, brush up very firmly against Jamie Starr. <laughs> Their whole team went berserk, tried to kill him. They got a five-minute major for trying to kill him, and we scored four goals on the power play. <laughs> Marched out of there with a 4 nothing sweep. Oh, yeah. Riv, wasn't Russ Cortnall playing for the Kings? He didn't talk to Jeff after the game. I think they passed each other and didn't talk. He told him not now, later. I don't blame him. I'm done with this. Yeah, so that was that was a playoff game where the goalie – uh, got uh, you know, t- taken out of play. It's amazing. We you, you tell that story that way. We're all laughing, yucking it up. And of course, when uh, Bennington was taken out against Colorado, it's like you know what? This is a travesty against hockey. <laughs> Three days, well, Anthony. Don't the, you, that's the way it works. Yeah. No, I know. That's why I'm just. Uh, I'm saying facts. I'm saying facts right now. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford joining us right now on the fast line on 101 ESPN. JR, uh, a line I was really impressed with the other night, especially in the second and third period, was that newly assembled Thomas Buchnevich neighbors line. I felt like they had the puck in the offensive zone almost the entire time, every single time they were on the ice. 
Uh, did you by any chance talk to Craig Berube? Not so much about the line, but the fact that Jake Neighbors is fitting in so well there. Yeah, we actually had a guest reporter uh, down uh, at the rink today, Caden, and he asked that question about the top line. And, you know, I thought Craig Berube's answer was pretty insightful. He said that uh, he's liked that line here lately. You know, I think if you look at the uh, the numbers, the analytics, you know, those weren't overly impressive the other night, but that was kind of a back-and-forth game. But I think you're right. There was a lot of time in the offensive zone. And what uh, Craig Berube told the guest reporter today, Caden, he said, uh, I think having neighbors on that line and having that presence in front of the net is allowing Booch and Thomas to kind of do their thing. And, and he feels like uh, that's changed the dynamic of that line. And I think he's right there. I mean, they know that they're going to have somebody with that net front presence and they can kind of do their thing. It's worked a lot better than it has with uh, Jordan Cairo uh, before they made that swap. Uh, JR, I know that you, you chatted with, or at least we're in the scrum, when, when Barubi was talking about Cairo and how hard he's working. What, what are their insights did you kind of take out of Barubi's comments on, on Jordan Cairo's play recently? Well, Stoltz, I think just the fact that uh, he continues to give him uh, kind of positive comments in terms of you're playing well, you're getting the opportunities. You look at the numbers – and Cairo's getting tons of chances. Five on five, he's one of the most uh, productive guys in the league in terms of shot attempts. We've seen the, the pucks go off the bars. We've seen you know the goalie come up with saves, uh, breakaways on Cairo. Overall, Craig Berube said, I like his game. I think his reload, his tracking, his getting back to the D zone is a lot better this year. But the pucks just aren't going in for him. And he said, just keep doing what you're doing, brother. It's going to happen. And I know it's cliche, but Craig Berube reiterated, you know, one, once one of them goes in, eight of them are going to go in. So I think that's the way they're, the way they're looking at it right now with Jordan Cairo. JR, uh, same lineup as last game and the game before. What, I mean, up front at least, you know, did anybody ask Craig Berube about plans for Jacob Verana or what the young man could be doing to get back in the lineup? He wasn't brought up today, you know, but I think just in talking to or listening to Craig Berube's comments about that situation in the last week. So, you know, they just want him to work and, you know, I'll be honest with you, uh, I think Verona had some comments the other day in the post-dispatch where he said that I can only control what I can control. And to me, I kind of read those comments and thought to myself, but you're not when you're in the lineup. I, you know, I don't want to pick on one player, but I can see what the coaching staff sees, Riv. Uh, you know, when you're making kind of hope for plays, you're getting into the zone and, you know, backhanding a pass into a tough you know area, it, it, that's just not the style of play that they want right now. And also – you know, he, he says that they need more work out of him. If he's not the one who's trying to, to score a goal, you know, if you're the four-checker, get in. Be the, be the second four-checker. I've heard you say that as well. Uh, I don't think they're getting that from him right now. They are getting it from other guys. Hey, listen, guys, it says a lot when you talk about the guy we just mentioned, Jake Neighbors, doing all the right things. Look, if he can do it, they want to see it out of the other guys. You know, Verona's going to have to do it before he gets back in the lineup. Jared, great stuff as always. Have a good rest of your week. We'll check back next week. All right, I'm flipping you guys off right now. All right, thank you. Yeah, at least you know it's us. <laughs> yeah, that was Marshy, JR. <laughs> uh, for those that missed uh, why that's funny, JR just shared the story that he thought that he saw Alex Petrangelo at morning skate today, decided to flip him the bird, a, a friendly bird, and it wasn't, in fact, Alex Petrangelo. Oh was another member of the Golden Golden Knights. So, JR, one of the, oh. to his, in his words, the most embarrassing moment is a – Covering the team. Well, imagine you work for the Athletic, a very reputable company, <laughs> right. and Jr. writes like reputable work. Yeah, like, it's you know very good he's stuff. Been, he's been around a long time. Well established. And then he's just well giving respected. the bird to a random player. <laughs> Go blank yourself. What does he think he's Brett Hull? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
Jared's the best. Uh, at J.P. Rutherford. Follow him on Twitter and check out his great work at The Athletic. Hey, speaking of Marsh, we got to shoot him. That's oh, right. Yeah. His punishment. His punishment is he dress is all up. fancy today and look good and not get shot. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. And Jamie's got keys to victory tonight and first goal of the game with Jamie's last segment coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We do the uh, Pick'em Challenge each and every week against the Rizzuto Show. We lost last week as a team, and Andrew Marsh also lost for the third time this year. So Andrew Marsh now faces the uh, three-shot punishment via the airsoft gun. Would you like to do that right now, Marsh? Uh, No. Okay. How about you do it right now? Okay, sounds good. (laughs) First of all, did you do your picks yet? Anthony, I did my picks, uh, I believe, Sunday. Good, good. For those that don't know, Marsh didn't get his picks in. For the, didn't get his pick in for the Thursday night game, so it is appropriate that you are the one facing the punishment. Anthony, he's got all those <sighs> things going on. He's got the kids. He's got the dogs. He's got all that stuff he's mm. got to take care of. Mm-mm. You know, I'm putting up lights in the backyard. Mm. I got the kids peeing all over themselves. Yeah. Well, he wasn't peeing on himself. He's peeing into the brush. Maybe a little on himself. Who knows? There's a dribbler. There's a dribble. It happens. It happens. Yeah. The win. You know, you got to factor the win. Absolutely. All right, Marsh, let's go here. Make sure you got that camera on and we're good to go. Uh, he's facing three shots. Jamie, would you like to do the honors? Oh, wow. Okay, sure. You want to do that? That's fine. Sure, I can do that. By the way, while Are we we're ready getting... to go with this thing? Uh, yeah, Marsh actually primed, primed his own... His own punishment that's, gun. That's vicious, isn't it, it? It really is. Here, load your own gun. Yep. Not great. <laughs> it's like when your parents just say, go pick up the stick in the yard. Yeah. I'll hand it to mom. Whap, whap, whap. It's not good, Jamie. No. That's not good at all. All right, Marsh. Three shots. Make sure that you you give Jamie something to, something to shoot at and what maybe something for people at home. All right, go ahead. How many are I getting? Three. Okay, three, two. Watch your hands, Marshy. I'm yeah. He'll be. I'm trying to cover. Oh, that that shot back here. Did did that hit a? Did you have your wallet in the back back pocket? No. Okay. Oh, look at him, Mr. Moneybag, showing it off here. All right. See about that. Number two here. Oh. Oh, Jamie. Hey, that's okay, Jamie. It it happens to everybody. Here we go. Three, two, one. Nope. Oh boy. Marsh, we know this is inappropriate, but we may have to have you fix it again. Uh, while he's doing that, the proposed Soto Yankees trade, according to Andy Martino, has not yet advanced to the point where the teams have told each other they have a deal, and no players have yet been informed that they are on the move. So this might be uh, a premature situation when it comes to the Yankees acquiring Juan Soto, but the the reports are, uh, at least one report had, the Yankees trading for Juan Soto and uh, Trent Grisham. Oh. You're right. No. Did you get your finger? Yeah. We may have to count. We may have to count that as a shot. So again, nothing as of right now uh, official when it comes to the Yankees and Padres deal for Juan Soto and for Trent Grisham. John Denton also reporting that uh, asked if he saw the Cards as a World Series contender with the pitching roster constructed. John Mozeli said, "I do. We're excited about what we have. You've got to play the games." And you know you need a lot of things to happen. I can be bullish as I want, but that's what we play. All right, Marsh, get the hat out of the way. Here we go. Three, two, one. 
Oh, come on. Three, two, one. Oh, that one. Yep. Okay. That was not weak sauce. You got one more, Marsh. Come on in. You got one more. This is this is for the. I don't know. This is for the pit. Like you were gonna. Like you were gonna get get out of it. Come on. One more shot. Here we go. Three, two, one. Ah, oh, Jamie. Three, two, one. Oh. Punishment served, Marsh. Nice job, kid. Sorry, Marshy. Get this your This is an imperfect weapon. Get your picks in at 101ESPN.com. <laughs> Round two between the Golden Knights and the Blues tonight at Enterprise oh, Center. Yeah. Jamie, keys, your keys to victory for the Blues tonight. Yeah, keys to the game tonight is limit your turnovers, so that falls under the old puck management umbrella, uh, and continue to key number two, get to the middle ice. You have to do that. You scored well, both goals, but one goal primarily in um, Torpchenko in the first period, standing in front of the goalie, got to the middle ice, shot, deflected, ended up going in. And the three is the opposite of that, defend the middle of the ice. Make it easier for Jordan Bennington to make those saves and swallow up the rebounds and limit all the opportunities. There you have it. All right, let's, uh, let's do our first goal of the game. Let's go, boys. We need you to score more goals. Get those loose pucks. Thomas, DeCairo, score! Goal! No big deal. Game winner. I love that. All right, Marsh. Who do you got scoring the first goal tonight? Let's go with... Hmm. By the way, did we, we didn't... Nobody won last time, right? No. No. I had the second goal scorer in that game. Yeah, it doesn't it's not count. great. No, doesn't count. Hmm. I know it doesn't all right, Jamie, you go. March right. taking too long. Jordan Cairo. I just think he's due. He uh, doesn't have a goal on the road yet this year, so this is a home game, so that should probably bode well. And he was skating pretty good the other night, getting some opportunities. I, like I can see him tonight scoring one. I got Booch again. Give me Pavel uh, Buchnevich. That's a good call. I'm going to go with Kevin Hayes. Okay. I like right that. Right in front, right in that blue Kevin paint. Kevin Mays Hayes. Kevin Mays Hayes. That's right. <laughs> You may hit like no. Uh, all right, so Jamie, yes, you're done for the rest of the day, man. Nice Thank job. You. Well, at least done here. You got a second job and all that. <laughs> Valley Sports and West. You can see Jamie tonight on the broadcast for the Blues and the Golden Knights. Of course, you can listen to the game right here on your home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. The pregame with Alex Ferrario, joined by Chris Kerber and Joey Vitale, will be held at seven o'clock. And of course, we'll have all the game coverage for you, as well as intermission and postgame. Jamie, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, no, Friday? we won't see you tomorrow. Traveling tomorrow. I'll be back on Friday. All right, we'll see you Friday then. Yes, sir. See you, buddy. We've got Brad Thompson stepping in for the final hour of the show, including what's trending and what's going on with this Juan Soto deal. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill to win a magical Polar Express staycation. Jamie Rivers is heading downtown to cover the Blues and the Golden Knights tonight for Bally Sports Midwest, and we've got our guy Brad Thompson joining us via his uh, his basement. What's up, BT? What's going on, Anthony? How are we doing today? Well, if you're a Yankee fan, you might be doing okay. Oh, That's what leads I off mean, what's trending for uh, for us here in the fast lane. 
Sounds like it, and it may, I'm sure Marshy will give us some more of the details, but that Juan Soto seems to be very close, pending a physical, maybe? Uh, maybe. Go ahead, Marsh. What do you got? Yeah, so the latest from uh, Andy Martino, the proposed Soto-Yankees trade has not yet advanced to the point where the teams have told each other they have a deal, and no players have been yet informed that they are on the move. All not too much before that we saw John Morosi tweet out all the names that involved or that were involved in the deal so I'm not too sure what to make of what's actually going on but if things fall through uh, well not fall through but if things go through then Juan Soto is a New York Yankee I mean it's look if you're a Yankee fan I think you got to be excited BT when you think about the prospects of Stanton and Judge and Soto all being in the same lineup. Hell, Trent Grisham's a really good player, too. Hitting the bottom of the of San Diego's lineup. He could do that again for the Yankees, again, if the deal goes through. They still need pitching, though. Garrett Cole, they got an ace. They're good there. Cy Young winner, Garrett Cole. But outside of Garrett Cole, they don't have enough pitching. And injuries have been a major problem, including for some of the guys I just, I just mentioned. But if you're getting Juan Soto, you got to feel pretty good. You got to feel great about it, and maybe Anthony, the uh, the point that you make about them needing pitching—that's probably why Yama Soto was trending uh, on Twitter because they want both of them. Fans do, so Come they want Yamamoto and Soto as well. But what a uh, what a big pickup this will be if the Yankees do get him. I mean, picture that. Picture that guy Juan Soto hitting in front of Aaron Judge. Stop it. I mean, right. it's going to be bombs left and right. One of those guys very well could end up winning the MVP, like a real stretch that is, hmm. picking two of the better players in the game to win it, a guy that did win it two years ago uh, in uh, Aaron Judge. But, man, it's uh, it's a good lineup. We know what it is for the Padres. It's obviously a salary dump for them because Juan Soto is estimated to make over $30 million uh, oh. in his final year of arbitration, his fourth and final year of arbitration. He'll become a free agent after the season. The Yankees have that payroll flexibility. Uh, so lineup looks good, but I'm with you, Anthony, uh, because right now when you look at it, uh, Carlos Rodon, don't know uh, don't know what that ends up looking like. Big yeah. money, big talent. Uh, and then as far as like the rest of the guys in their lineup, who's going to be or in that rotation? Who's involved in this trade? You know, is, is it Michael King, Clark Schmidt? You got, you know, they got a lot of good names, but who's going the other way? Right. Uh, Vasquez, I think, was one of the names mentioned. Yeah. Kyle Higasoki. Higashioka. Soka. Thank you. Well, well said. Yeah. What are you? What are you doing? Games now? You doing, <laughs> you doing baseball games? You learn these names? Higgy. No. Kyle Higgy. It's all Higgy. The for the Yankees. The Higmeister. It'd be yeah. So you're right. We don't know who's who's going the other way. And if it is pitching, then it's like okay. Well, you you added a bat, and it's a left-handed bat, and that plays well in the park, and it should be great. But can you not give up eight runs when you're so, when you're in the midst of scoring? So that begs the question, right? The Yankees. We all know that they have played in a different uh, at a different level than other teams financially for a very long time. Yeah. You pony up and you make this deal, and let's just assume this deal gets done. That that adds another thirty million dollars in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that that's that's saying you're in in. But if you are missing out on the pitching, you have to land one of these top starters. Like there there cannot be any uh, anybody from the top saying, "Well, you know, we were up against it at this point." Right. You're the Yankees, and you're like that close. You also haven't won a championship since '09, which really, you know, it's for them an eternity. It is. It would be very weird if they stopped there. You know, yeah. it's just like what we were talking about. Maybe not the same thing, 
But as we talked about the Cubs, who have been fairly quiet so far this offseason, it would be very interesting or weird if they stopped there and say, hey, well, we got the manager right, $40 million on this guy. Yeah, but Bellinger's a free agent. Stroman's a free agent. So the the, uh, the old what's next is an interesting one here when it comes to the Yankees. And certainly, uh, you know, more importantly for the Cardinals, what do, what do the Cubs do next? Heck, what do the Cardinals do next? Yeah. Sticking with uh, Major League Baseball's free agency, BT, we talked a little bit about this earlier in the show, uh, but the question I want to pose to both of you is the Otani free agency situation, another example of how Major League Baseball does not take advantage of its offseason like the NBA and NFL do. So it did, I don't know if you saw Buster Only's piece for ESPN.com, Brad, talking about how Shohei Otani is basically doing himself in Major League Baseball a disservice because he he or his camp, he and or his camp, are putting restrictions on teams to not talk about the free agent process. He wants everything to be secretive. And Buster Only's point is that this is major. This is Major League Baseball's time to drum up interest, to spark that you know the the rumor mill and the headlines and all that. And this is just a missed missed opportunity. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I did see that. Ken Rosenthal wrote a piece about it at The Athletic yesterday as well. Even Stephen A. Smith is dropping in on this one, saying it's uh, deplorable, the blasphemy, the unmitigated goal of his agent uh, to, to go out there and, and to handle it the way that he has. Here's here's the thing with I don't disagree on the surface of what they're talking about. This is a generational player. This is a player that we will be telling our grandkids' kids about in Shohei Otani, and you would love to be able to build up that drama around it and this is something that we've talked about plenty over the years with baseball as soon as free agency starts in the nfl the nhl the nba it is go time and your Mm -hmm. stars are gone because everybody wants to jump in there are deadlines to sign these players so uh, in that respect major league baseball has a little bit of work to do but who are we to tell like someone how to go about their business when the rules are what the rules are if you want to change some things if you're major league baseball and you want to have a window of when you sign free agents and they tried this a couple of years ago by the way and the players union squashed it of having it I think it was like the last day of the winter meetings was the last day you could potentially sign a multi-year contract and the players union said no no we don't like that at all but that's how I think it needs to change the, it's the same conversation, oddly enough, from one of his teammates in Mike Trout. Say, man, Mike Trout should be a star. He should be out in front of it more. Some people don't want to be out in front of it. Some people just are dedicated to their craft, the game of baseball. They live a quiet life. Uh, apparently, he has a dog that we're not allowed to know his name. <laughs> he, has, he has a cat as well that apparently jumped in a window during uh, one of his Zooms. But, uh, yeah, I, I think everybody would like to be let in or let behind the curtain a little bit more with Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. But just like all of us, we're all different. We all like right. different things. Like, where did you land on this one, Anthony? I, I said it almost. I mean, you said it perfectly, Brad. I, I was in line with what you were thinking. Both things can be true, right? I, I say that a lot, but it, it is. Uh, if you're the NBA and you're the NFL, you command a lot of the attention. Why? Because you, if, especially if you're the NFL, you're rolling every day of every uh, of, of the year. You have something going on. Yeah, there's dead periods, but the draft, there's a buildup. Free agency, there's a buildup. Training camps, preseason, the get, like everything is a buildup in the NFL. Everything could be a headline. The NBA, the trade deadline is a big deal. The offseason is a big deal. If some player mentions they wants to be traded, everybody's talking about it. So this is a missed opportunity for Major League Baseball. Dot, dot, dot. What can they do about it? You can't ask Shohei Otani to be anything more than what he is. And if he's 
He's very protective of the process that he's going through. That is his process. And he's not under contract. So there's nothing Major League Baseball or team can do about it. And if you want Shohei Otani, you kind of got to play by his rules. So if you're the Yankees, you're the Dodgers, you're the Angels, and you're interested in Shohei Otani, and his camp is telling you, we're going to watch to see if you spill the beans that Shohei Otani was in in you know your clubhouse, like like Dave Roberts you know talked about. Did he get then, the wrist slap? Yeah. Like, oh no! I don't know why he said that. We I can't comment on it, but I don't know why he said that. Is what the GM for the Dodgers said basically. What are you going to do? You're going to play long because you want Shohei Otani. So I'm with you, Brad. It is a missed opportunity, yet Shohei Otani can be who he is. Yeah, and I don't think that we're stupid enough to believe that uh, Dave Roberts talking about a meeting with Shohei Otani is going to be enough to make him not want to go there. But some things are important to to some people. Obviously, privacy uh, with this situation is important to him. And and honestly, on some level, Anthony, like I really respect the way that he's going about it. He could make it the Shohei show everywhere he goes. He could call it the decision. Oh, for sh- oh, he could he could do a show. He could do it at the Boys and Girls Club, and then he could say where he's taking his talents. Dang it, Anthony, <laughs> that is an idea. It's a PR. And, uh, it's a oh. perfect PR situation. What could go wrong? Oh man, somebody should write that down. Maybe Shohei's not the guy to do it, but somebody should probably do that one. Yeah. But really, a, a guy where everybody in the world wants a, a piece of him or wants to just know everything. The fact that he doesn't give in to that and just say, this is this is how I do it. Yeah. And fortunately, his agent is in line. I, I respect that. By the way, if you miss what Brad was talking about with the whole dog situation, Shohei Otani, when he was accepting his MVP, wasn't it the MVP? MVP, it was the MVP award. MVP, so yeah. he was accepting the award. He had a dog on his lap, and the, the, a lot of the media members just wanted to know what the dog's name was. And apparently Otani's camp was like, mm-mm. We're not releasing that yeah, information. Well, Anthony, you think about this. First of all, he's already made a lot of money, okay? He is set to make a whole lot more money, right? I mean, I think that we can all agree upon yeah, about that. About $500 million probably when it's okay. all Okay. Well, as soon as they, uh, you know, we find out what his dog's name is, all we have to do is go to wherever we think his bank is, put in his dog name 17, <laughs> which is his jersey number, and then all of a sudden we're in, like That's... bingo, bango, bongo. Brad, I can't... didn't think about that. That's a good call. Yeah, you can't divulge that sort of information, Anthony. <laughs> That's a good Just call. Like, same reason I'm sure his dog doesn't even have a collar with his name. That thing's just like super microchip. Right. Like you gotta have real deal Boom, we got uh, his, stuff to be able to get that dog. We got we got his Venmo, we got his bank account information, we got his email. Everything. Everything. Yeah, good call. Didn't think about that. Marsh, you got anything else for us in what's running? Yeah, Zach Wilson starting for the Jets. Hey, there Ooh. you go. The Jets are back. And so is Josh, Zach Wilson. Big Willie style. Do you think yeah. that um you know, after a few times, you know, we we all learn with more reps, Anthony. The more we do something, the first time that you sat behind that microphone, Anthony, I bet it was a scary place. And uh, maybe you scuffled a little bit. Chances are you didn't because you're a natural, unlike Zach Wilson. (laughs) But... Do you think? Do you think that maybe this is the time where he ends up turning the page and he auditions for every other team out yeah, there? Yeah, no, no, I don't think so, Brad. Um, I think he's probably going to play the same way that he did before. But I think that the the, uh, the Jets, Robert Sala, realized that when you're starting Tim Boyle, it can in fact get worse for you. Yeah, <laughs> but you you may say to yourself, could it get any worse than Zach Wilson? Yeah, it was Tim Boyle who they released. <laughs> After starting on Sunday, 
benched for Trevor Simeon. Neither guy looked, I don't know if you saw any, like the highlights or the, you know, if you're watching Red Zone Channel, I don't know if you saw any of it, but Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon didn't look like they wanted to be there. They threw, one, one of them threw an interception, and he just kind of stood there, like, just, just staring, like, well, that's uh, that's unfortunate, and then walked Boy, right, just to the, like a- <laughs> right to the Jets' sideline. Like, just like practice. I didn't think this would happen in the game. <laughs> I threw the same pass in practice, got picked off. Who knows? Boy, oh, boy. The scout team was good. Yeah. I don't know if Zach Wilson needs football either. You know, like, that was a conversation about Johnny Johnny Manziel, and we all thought uh, because his him and his buddy made up the story about the, the oil money that, that they had because they, they wanted to cover up the fact that Johnny was signing signing deals uh, or, or autographs and stuff in between Texas A&M games. Brought up the whole money. Thing. Ah, he came from oil and all that. He doesn't need football. I don't think he needed football because he just he had other, you know, he had other interests. He just kind of sure. fell, fell out of love with it. I wonder if Zach Wilson is one of those guys that bleeds football. And if he doesn't, that's a tough job. I mean, 24-7, you're responsible for everything. You're facing the media constantly. You're under constant scrutiny, especially in that market. If you don't need football, just be done with it. Yeah, well, a couple of things there that, that really make sense. First of all, if, you, if you're – and I don't want to necessarily call him a fringe talent. He was second in overall in the draft, right? Correct, but yeah. But it, it, it hasn't translated, right? So if you're not right. all in, all in, it's going to be very difficult to get over that. And then that that market is a feeding frenzy. Even if you, you try to stay away from it, I guarantee you can't go anywhere. Uh, New York, you know, a lot of places, St. Louis is one of them, right? We might get a text on the text line calling me all kinds of names. So most of you would never do that but some of you would mm-hmm. 314-399-9646 if you want to get in on we'll that ca- we'll, we'll uh, catch it in a second yes but, uh, brad's still talking so what <laughs> some promo just played <laughs> oh for the blue good it was for the blue part of you heard it but i didn't hear it go ahead <laughs> no no i was gonna say in new york though anthony they, they tell the truth all right so zach wilson's walking down the street and it's like not like hey go get yeah. him this weekend zachy boy right. no you it's like my life. you are horse bleep <laughs> you actually made the mets uh, good this year i want to go back and watch mets highlights <laughs> that's what i want to do on sundays you flea bag all right, it's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Sports six pack is next. You get a question for Brad and I, send it in to the air cover service tax line 314-399-9646. Sports six pack next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is now. All right, time for the Sports Six back here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Brad Thompson filling in for the final hour. Here's Andrew Marsh with your questions via the Sports Six Pack. Question number one. All right, gentlemen, let's start off from the 210. Uh, if these players, aka Major League Baseball players, want these massive contracts, shouldn't they have a responsibility to help promote the sport? I think there's something to that, yeah. But again, the, the unfortunate reality. In this situation, and, and the texter, who I think you know brings up a really intriguing question, BT, again, there's no contract here. I know he's looking for a contract, but he's still the, the reality is Shohei Tani is still going to get paid 
regardless of if he then goes to the media after he meets with the Blue Jays or the Dodgers and has some impromptu interview. He's going to get paid regardless. This is what Shohei Otani wants. He wants everything to be secretive. If that's what he wants and and everybody wants him to play for them, then they're going to they're going to fall along with that. In fact, we've already seen that. The Blue Jays I think it was the Blue Jays or maybe there's another team that said, uh, yeah, we can't talk. We're not going to we're not going to talk about that. So clearly everybody else is willing to uh, play along. Now, when he does sign a contract, then it's up to the team to set forth those media obliga- obligations for Major League Baseball. Yeah, it is. And this isn't like a new thing with Shohei Otani, by the way. I mean, we were talking about when he won the MVP award, like how how close to the vest everything was played. Like there were no reporters there with him. He didn't talk to anybody afterwards, Anthony. Like he, this is just kind of who he is and, and what he's going through right now. But to answer the question, like in a perfect world, the answer is yes. Yes, like there, you would love your sports biggest stars to be the biggest advocate of eyes on the product. And Shohei Otani would do that. Anything that he does or anything that he talks about baseball fans or fringe baseball fans and now obviously these are baseball fans all over earth with Shohei Otani like want to know what's going on and it would only be for the greater good of the the sport but in you know in all fairness there is he doesn't truly carry that responsibility his responsibility is to whatever team that he signs with yeah and to himself and then after that it's kind of like pick pick what you want and what you want to embrace but I, I wish he'd be out there more I wish kind of all these guys had more of a voice but um and his his situation is a little bit different, Anthony. But I think that a lot of times, like we want all these athletes to talk and we want them out there. But sometimes it doesn't really benefit them to do so, and 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 oftentimes they might actually hinder themselves. I don't think Shohei Otani can do that. I think that Shohei Otani could basically do anything right now, aside from maybe a couple of and just a couple of felonies, and be okay. It's just a couple. Yeah. <laughs> So like if they're like, hey, Shohei, what what was that dog's name? It's like, well, you don't, you don't worry about that dog, yeah, because he made a mistake on the rug, and he's gone. Or you're like, oh, he oh. got, it. he's fine. So uh. I got him adopted, new house. Yeah, there you go. I'm glad it's you nice said rug. that, BT. Given your yeah, of course track record of comments. What do you mean? My dog has ruined everything in my house. And we we've, <laughs> we've love kept him. her. Love him. She's the, She's eating four chairs on a dining room set. <laughs> Anthony, you, I think a puzzle I told piece. you this. Uh, a puzzle piece, and a very important one, a very mm-hmm. red one right in the middle. I think I told you this, Anthony. Uh, if, if you come over to our house during the holiday season, which you, you should, um, you'll notice dining room looks nice. Mm-hmm. But if you look down, all of the chair Jeez. legs are wrapped in, in pool noodles. <laughs> <laughs> I put pool noodles around them because this dog just – like she just she looks at you like you're the dumb one. It's like why aren't you getting in on this? Yeah. <laughs> this is fantastic. Have you had this wood yet? This is incredible. Oh my gosh! I put everything on it too, like all the bitter stuff and like Nothing apple cider enough. vinegar, hot sauce. No, she digs all. And that you're stuff. basically just providing condiments for for the for the pup. It's correct, Anthony. Yeah. Question two, please. Question number two. From the 314, what is your all-time favorite sports-related speech? Mine is the Jimmy V speech. Yeah, that one's great. That's hard to beat. Um, I think you also have to go with uh, Al Pacino in uh, the movie Any Given Sunday. That's the winner right there. Talking to his Sharks team right before they play Dallas in the playoffs. I think that's a big one. Um, How could you go wrong with the miracle speech, of course? Um, 
not but not tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. It's a great one. But yeah, I think we have to go with what was his name? Tony? Tony D'Amico or D'Amato? Tony D'Amato. Tony D'Amato's speech in, in the movie Any Given Sunday. Tell you this, Anthony, in any fight, we want the guy who's willing to die, who's going to win that inch. Oh, the inches golly, we that's need are one. all around us. Claw with their fingernails for that inch. I mean, come on. I love it. Love it. No, that is a really wall. good one. I don't know if that counts. Not as not quite as oh, impactful as the Jimmy V one. I'll tell you another one that that is not a, it's not as sports related necessarily as it is like people related in sports bring it together is Jack Buck's speech after yeah. uh yeah after, after 9/11. I mean that was inc- like even now Whew. every time I hear it like it's incredibly gives you, yeah. impactful. Gives you goosebumps. Uh, that that's one of my favorites. I also think if we're talking about impactful speeches how can you not include Mike Schilt's speech about how we'll play in anybody? You know? That was pretty impactful. It was impactful because I got Randy Rosarina traded right out of here. Oh, Anthony. Well, come, yeah, on come on now. Come on. You tell me it was impactful. Come it on. Was. Speculation, you know? Yeah, That's well. a lot of speculation there. Uh, two from me, Lou Gehrig's farewell speech. That's it's a yeah, good one. Certainly, and then and uh, he didn't want to speak that day either, Marshy. Like like he had to get. T- I forget which teammate talked him into it. Say, like, hey, you should do this. Like he was just gonna doff his cap and because mm-hmm. he was too emotional. But he that was today, that was awesome. today, today. That was it, right? Today, today. Yeah, I was I was maybe wondering, hoping that you'd. Oh no, it. I no, I can't do that. Nah, I consider myself yeah. self self. Luckiest. No, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> also, Craig Berube's uh, Game 7 speech. <laughs> Short but sweet. It was great. Yep. Question number three. Tony DeMotto, though, for sure. Number one. From the 573, I've seen people dismiss Sonny Gray as an ace because of his stint in New York. I've always felt stints in New York need to be looked at through different lenses, given the media, fan expectations, and the reputation of being a New York Yankee. What do you guys think? Sonny Gray has not been and will not be the only player that does not, that, you know, did not suffer uh, the Yankee, you know, playing for the Yankees in New York. And, and struggle. We the most recent example, of course, was um, oh geez, now his name, the outfielder, big outfielder for the from the Rangers, got uh, Joey Gallo. I mean, Joey Gallo went out there. And that was that was a disaster. Couldn't play in oh. couldn't play in New York. There's but but there's there's been a, a, a countless players that have wound up with the Yankees and it just it hasn't worked out. Sonny Gray has been good virtually everywhere else he's been. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And some guys, like there is something to be said, some guys are more comfortable in smaller markets. Well, the other markets he's been in, Oakland, Cincinnati, Minnesota, now St. Louis, yeah, quiet. It's not the same exact thing as pitching in the pinstripes. But to me, that uh, that, that also doesn't mean he can't handle big spots and right. big situations either. I think that that's kind of connecting two dots that maybe, uh, maybe don't belong together. I know this. I know that you've got a guy that has finished top five in the Cy Young twice, and as soon as last year he finished second. He's finished top ten three times, three-time All-Stars. So you're getting a guy that is he's obviously the top uh, the top of your rotation, and he's going to be near the top. I'm not saying he's a one for every team in baseball. There are certainly other 
guys that fit that bill. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you this, there's not a rotation in baseball that would look at themselves and be like, no, nah, we don't need a Sonny Gray. You're right. damn right you do. Like, you would absolutely love to, to bring him in. You know why else I think that Sonny Gray gets this uh, uh, maybe a little bit of disrespect? I think it's because of how big he is, honestly. I yeah. think that that you look at him. He's he's five ten. He's like a buck ninety five, if that. And it's like, oh, that that's not what an ace looks like. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't doesn't matter. That's that's to me the beauty of the game of baseball is you'll have some guys like that. Yeah, I w- I would like if I'm building a guy on MLB the Show, make him two uh, six seven two fifty, just seven. just huge. Yeah, big donkey downhill. Man. And then yeah, gonna, letting he, it rip. Is he gonna play forward for the? Uh, box. Well, when he's not pitching, he's obviously DHing. I built sense. a, I built this Shohei esque player. That makes sense. But uh, yeah, I really do think there's yeah. something, something <laughs> like that with Sonny Gray because Marcus Stroman has dealt with the same thing. I think throughout his career. Yeah, that's true. Hey, to your point about the, the like the whole Yankee thing and oh, he can't pitch in big moments. He's made six postseason starts in his career. Do you know what his ERA is? I would say in the threes. 3.26 is Sonny Gray's ERA, six starts in the postseason. That includes uh, a rough performance against the Astros last year. When he, he had a good and a bad last year. Yeah. So, And if you oh, well, what about the ALCS? He's, he's pitched once in the ALCS, made one start, went five innings, allowed one hit, two runs over – oh, I said, I said the five innings. So the one ALS, ALCS performance that he had – Pitched very well. So he's got good postseason numbers. By the way, we got a text from the 618 who uh, usually sends interesting text messages. This one might be the best one in reference to the best speeches, sports-related. He said... Remember when Bobby Boucher showed up at halftime (laughs) and the Mud Dogs won the Marvin Bowl? Do you? That's That's from the 618. That's from the 618. Great. Yeah. That's he, a good one. Then he followed up I with uh, Michaelis is your blanking number two, which is pathetic. There you go. He's back. <laughs> He's back, baby. He is back. Nothing but consistent. <laughs> give him that much. You Bobby Boucher showed up. Nice. All right. It's Fast Nine on One Hundred One ESPN. Brad, have you been in? Have you been in? Uh, like doing the shows when I've done the Stalter stack up and revealed the number ten team. Anthony, I have been in the Stalter stack up. Sure. But do you know about the powers of the number 10 team? Oh, yeah, you bury whoever that team is. I, I wouldn't put it that way. You, te- you tend to ruin all of their hope and chances. Is that correct or incorrect? I, I might be off on this. No, that's about right. Stalter Stack up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Stalter Stackup. The top 10 teams in the NFL from the mind of Anthony Stalter. All right, those might, uh, those wondering who my number 10 team is for the Stalter Stackup, been waiting for a little while now. Now, why is the number 10 team so important? Well, that's because each and every time we've done the Stalter Stackup, that number 10 team has lost that week. In fact, if we didn't do a Stalter stack up, that number ten team, the previous one, the previous time, lost multiple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marsh is a little upset right now. Marsh took some shots at me earlier in the show, so I think he's, uh, as a Vikings fan, I think he's worried right now. Well, I'm on pins and needles 10. right now. 
But we're not starting with number 10. Let's start with number one, Marsh. Okay. Number one. Brad, how can you not have the San Francisco 49ers as your number one team after they dismantled the Philadelphia Eagles? You know, it's one thing to say, oh, we would have won by three scores or whatever Debo Samuel did uh, said after the NFC Championship game last, last year when Brock Purdy got hurt. And he's like, you know what? We would have won by three scores if Brock Purdy was still there. It's quite another to then score three times in the rematch at Lincoln Financial Field. When this team is healthy, they're the best team in the league. What do you think? No, I, I would agree with you. Like, oh. it's, it's, it, you, can't, you can't push back on that right now. Now, I, I will say this. I don't know if it was like we got ro- ground, Anthony. We got robot. Robot? BT. Yeah, we got robot. Gosh darn it. I'll be back. <laughs> All right, so BT's going BT's gonna to reset here. We'll go to number two, and we'll, then we'll get uh, BT's thoughts on, on the Niners. Number two. I still have the Eagles because if these two teams meet again, very unlikely that the Eagles went to you know uh, an overtime match the previous the previous day the previous week against the Bills. They, they every team goes through ups and downs throughout the course of a season. That team is still stacked. Now they they do have sev- they do have some problems defensively. Front four excellent. The secondary can be had. They have a hard time getting off the field at third, on third down. They don't generate interceptions. There's, It's not like the Eagles are a perfect product, but they do have a great roster. They do have Jalen Hurts. They do have all the weapons offensively and do have great coaching. So the Eagles are still number two. Do we have uh, regular BT back and not? I believe it's, so. There we go. It's tough to say, Anthony. I'm not no, sure. We got it. All right. Yeah. Uh, 49ers, you're, you're having some thoughts on the Niners? No, I was right there with you. It's hard to push up against that one. I do think that not everything was perfect there for the Eagles in that game. We all know they were coming off of a short week, but in every facet of the game, the Niners were better. There you go. Number three. Number three. I got the Baltimore Ravens. The only team, I've mentioned this before, the only teams that have beaten the the Ravens this year are the Baltimore Ravens. Their three losses have all been, uh, you know, opportunities where they could have won the game easily and did not. Now, I know they played in some closer games, two and one, though, so they count all the same. But the Browns lost 33-31 when they were up by, I don't know, 14 or 16, whatever it was at one point. The loss of the Steelers in which... They were set up the goal line. Lamar threw an interception on a fade pattern and let Pittsburgh back in the game when they had no business being in it. The bottom line is this defense is excellent. Lamar is playing at, at an elite level. He's got some weapons now. I really like the young kid Mitchell who gives him a, some explosiveness out of the running game. So I got the Baltimore Ravens at number three. Number four. Kansas City. I got to drop them down following the loss of the Packers. I wonder if that defense is starting to wilt a little bit. It might not be fair because they've been excellent since week one, but, boy, Jordan Love and the Packers kind of exposed some things. And then on offense, you say, well, what's wrong with the Chiefs? One, I don't think Travis Kelsey's 100%, BT. I don't know. You watch the games as well. I don't know if this guy is 100%. And he brought up a great point one time on uh, the podcast, that New Heights podcast he does with Jason Kelsey. And I think he was talking about a different player. But he said, if you don't have your legs, you don't have anything. And I don't think he has legs right now. He's dealing with the knee injury, the ankle injury. He doesn't look 100%. So you're dealing with a Kelsey that is limited. Uh, Rishi Rice, the rookie for Kansas City, is emerging. But outside of that, Marquez Valdez-Scanling is not. He should not be your third go-to guy in that, that passing game. They've tried to replicate what they had in Tyreek Hill, which is impossible. But they got guys like Kadarius Toney and Sky Moore. They're trying to replicate what they had in Tyreek Hill. You can't do it. So something's limited there. But they still have Andy Reid. They still have Mahomes. You think that Kelsey's going to get healthy at some point, point? the defense is very good. What do you got, BT? 
I just worry about Kansas City because I don't know if they can win a game when Mahomes isn't perfect, right? I think it's a great point. Mahomes is perfect most of the time. But they just don't have enough other pieces. And you mentioned the defense. The defense is very, very good. But offensively, man, like he makes that one mistake. All of a sudden you feel like you're in a world of trouble. I think that you might even have the Chiefs a little too high, Anthony. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, maybe you like this next team better. Five. Dolphins. I got the Dolphins here. The only problem is they haven't played anybody. Their, their, their wins have come against sub-500 teams. Their losses have come against the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Eagles. So they played three playoff teams in, in their losses. Everything else has been perfect, though. Tyree Kill, you know, Martian, we were talking about this yesterday. Tyree Kill probably should be the MVP right now of the league. He tilts the field every single week for them. You take Tyree Kill off of that offense, you're not scoring as much as you do. That's just a, That's just a fact. He makes everybody else around him that much better the defense though has gotten better each and every week now that they're healthy and they got Jalen Ramsey and if they get the the top seed BT you go down to South Beach in January that's a little different story than the Dolphins having to go to Baltimore or Kansas City in January that's important that they get the number one seed it's really important. It's going to be important, too, that they come out of last week, hopefully unscathed. I haven't seen any of the injury reports, but they did lose two guys on their line. They lost Armstead and Hunt. Both mm-hmm. ended up leaving the game. Yeah, it's Obviously, two is going to need all the protection in the world. They also had a knee injury uh, on the other side of the ball. So uh, we all know health is one of the biggest things. But the Dolphins, you know I'm high on the Dolphins this year, Anthony. Like, and the fact that they haven't beaten anybody great, well, I think that's going to be the same thing you're going to say about your next team. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Number six, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that, that, they're <laughs> the uh, they're the NFC version of the Miami Dolphins. Let's just be honest; they haven't beaten anybody, but they've, the teams that they have beaten, they beat them pretty bad. So, Dallas Cowboys at six. Number seven, thank you. Lions haven't looked great, but I still got the Lions at seven because I'm not in love with any of the teams behind them. So, I, I got the Lions here. Maybe they're just going going through a little bit of downspurt. I mean, the Saints they allowed the Saints to get back in that game last week, but nevertheless won, and they're still a formidable foe. Number eight. I got Buffalo. I mean, the, the Bills could lose to anybody each, each, you know, any given Sunday, and they could also win because of Josh Allen. I don't think Josh Allen is getting the credit that he deserves. The turnovers are real. You can't turn the ball over as much as he has, but he's also trying to uh, win the team or, or win the win the game every single week, almost on his own at times. So I got the Bills, who are six and six, with the most dangerous six and six team in the league. Number nine. I thought about having the Texans here, but I kept the Jaguars here just because we don't know the, the hell status of Trevor Lawrence. Losing Christian Kirk is a big deal uh, to that passing game. If Lawrence is fine, they're going to be okay. Hopefully he's not out for very long. They ha- In fact, they haven't even ruled him out for this Sunday, so I got the Jaguars at 9. Number 10. Number 10. Here we go. This is a team that I feel as though despite their record, is really making headway. Now, I had mentioned the most dangerous 6-6 six and six team is the Bills. That's second to the Minnesota Vikings, who I have number 10. The Vikings. <laughs> Are you serious? The Vikings. <laughs> They've lost Marsh, two in a row. as you know, stuck with Joshua Dobbs. This is a smart organization. They know what they have in Dobbs, and they're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater just because they lost two straight. That defense, Marsh, as you know, has been outstanding. And despite the fact that they lost to the Bears, that was a fluke, and everybody knows it. Can't even look at you. I got the Vikings at number 10, BT. They figured some things out in the bye, and they're going to be good again. A mark of a good team, 4-2 and two on the road. 4-2 and two on the road oh. for the Vikings. They're going to win this week against the Raiders. I apologize, BT. Uh, number 10, Vikings. This is... Ridiculous. 
Anthony, don't apologize. I'm heading to FanDuel right now. <laughs> <laughs> you have the Vikings in your pick'em. Yeah. Silver and black. Yeah, because I believe in them. Marsh, you think I'm going to put a top 10 team and not pick them? Have, have a team in the top 10 and not pick them on Sunday? Of course I'm going to take the Vikings. Why are you trying to ruin my weekend? I'm not. I have you're a making, nice you're, weekend you're making lined this personal. Up. I got them in the top 10. I, I thought had you'd be happy. I had to wait a full week to watch them play, and I, now you do this. I don't I don't know where this is coming from, Marsh, but we'll figure that out in the break. We got uh, what you missed and criticisms, compliments next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Brad Thompson and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. If you miss anything from today's show, you can always download the podcast at 101ESPN.com or your free 101 ESPN mobile app, all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We chatted with uh, Jeremy Rutherford. He shared a funny story about how he flipped off one of the members of the Las Vegas Golden Knights. So you have to check out the podcast for that information. Jamie and I debated uh, whether or not it's okay for athletes to skip bowl games. We talked a little Cardinals. Shohei, whether or not he has a responsibility, BT and I talked about it, and so did Jamie and I, about uh, whether or not he has a responsibility to Major League Baseball to go throughout the free agent process with, I don't know, play, playing a little bit nicer with the media, not being so secretive. So it's all available on the podcast. What do you got for criticisms and compliments, Marsh? Yeah, well, uh, we got a uh, text from 314. Sorry, Anthony, but the Vikings aren't a top 10 team. I mean, I, I agree. You're kidding me, right? No, they're not. Well, they lost uh, two in a row. Who should who should be there? I don't know. Maybe the Texans? Nah. Nah. Not for I mean, they lost to the Broncos last week. Broncos were knocking out the door. I can't, I can't count that. The Vikings lost to the Broncos! That was a fluke, though. Look, it's it's pretty obvious, Marcy, they belong. Like, this is a, a top 10 team. That's the thing about Anthony, man. He's not following the trends of anybody else. Thank like, you. you don't go to anybody else's power rankings That's right. and see the Vikings in the top 10. But he's mm-hmm. not watching that surface BS like all these guys that get paid to watch football for that's, a living that's right. are, are doing. Like, he's digging a little bit deeper. And, Anthony, I think you've uncovered some gold. Thank you, Brad. Yeah, you can go anywhere. <sighs> And see the power rankings and see the Texans at number 10. Who's going to tell it tell it to you straight? The Minnesota Vikings, despite their two-game losing streak, should be still a top 10 team and will be. Yeah, right here. That guy. That, me. <sighs> so, now better luck next year, Marshy. Better luck next with year. With all due respect to the texter, Vikings are absolutely a top 10 team. This is... Specifically, number 10 in the Stalter stackup. This is unbelievable. All right. Uh, well, we went over in our sports six-pack some of the greatest sports-related speeches. Yeah. And the 314 says the best sports speech of all time was Brett Hall in 2019. We went blues. You know, he nailed it. Made a lot of sense. Uh, invoked uh, the passion out of the crowd that day. Yeah, that one's hard to beat. You uh, you combine that uh, that speech 
or, or that moment, right? Mm-hmm. And then you combine that with the visual of him right there on the glass squeezing his own nipples. <laughs> you have got, I mean, you got magic mm-hmm. written all over it. Those yeah. two things will live in infamy. No question. Uh, last one here from the 314. Anthony, you live your life. You do whatever you want. Thank you. I appreciate that. Was there anything else to that, or is that no. just that was just the advice? I yeah, like that. that. Advice. I like that a lot. Thank I you. I mean, I can add something to it, but no, no, there's no need to. Okay. If there wasn't anything else, I think uh, that, that that's probably off the Shohei Otani situation where you can, yeah. you know, Shohei Otani's living his best life in yeah, secret. Makes sense. Um, I'm gonna do that as well. I'm gonna live my best life and stack those teams the way I want to in the NFL, mm-hmm. including the Vikings at number ten. That was brought to you by Packer Dan. <laughs> <laughs> That's Brad Thompson. He's going to be with me for most of the show tomorrow. Uh, we've got Blues hockey for you tonight, of course. The pregame starts at 7 o'clock. I think we've got a Blues-related instant replay coming up today. So from 6 to 7, you'll hear that. And then the Blues pregame as they take on the Golden Knights at 7. For Brad Thompson, Andrew Marsh, I'm Anthony Stalter. See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.